Welcome to the Mostly Pod Out at Night. Mostly, I am Graveyard, joined by my co-host Salem. Hello. This is episode 26 of our weekly All Things Horde podcast. Tonight, we'll be discussing Killer Machines. So we'll be going over movies that have Killer Machines um, and just that aren't part of a bigger franchise that we can discuss later on. So this will include the 80s classic Chopping Mall, the very 90s Death Machine, <laughs> Screamers, and the newest entry into this genre, Megan, or Menthrigan, as we want to call it. So spoilers ahead for these movies, especially Megan. So top of the list, we are going to go into what we normally do. We'll have a new category called AI win or AI failed, determining and discussing if we think this AI was the, the end-all, be-all Terminator point salvation, right, where AI is too dangerous that we're worried about this AI in this movie to take over humanity. So we're going chronologically order as always. Uh, so we'll begin with Chopping Mall, which came out in 1986. And it really, it really feels like it's older than that. Like you look at it and everybody looks like they're at least 1984. Right. Yes. I, I definitely, definitely agree. And, I have a hard time pending what how old these characters are supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, it's the eighties, man. Teens were yeah. like in the thirties. Right, right. Uh, and funny enough, and we'll discuss it too. But the original title was called what was it? Uh, Killbots, which is definitely a more apt title. But <laughs> uh, first, let's get into the recap. So. Essentially, we start off with a guy who's somehow inside the mall and just breaking into all the stores after it's closed, and we see um, these protector robots going after him, chasing him, and essentially, what, they stun him with like a... Yeah, tase him. Tase him. They tase him to knock him out, and you find out that it's all just a presentation to a group of I don't know, the mall owners or the store owners within the mall. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, they never really describe it, but let, let's just describe them as annoying. <laughs> yes, and we do see the married couple that actually do make quite a number of appearances as the same couple in 80s movies. I don't remember their names, but there's there's this whole thing around them. Mr. and Mrs. Bland. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Bland. Um, you know, they're just rolling their eyes at each other, just making fun of, of these presentations. And, you know, it's a high tech robot company presenting and say, Hey, never worry about people breaking into your mall after hours and stealing and breaking into all the stores. You know, we have three protectors that are all controlled by a central computer station. We have someone monitoring them at all time. And, you know, someone asks a very important question. Well, if we're working late. Valid question, right? Anywhere you work, you what happens if I'm working after they lock up? What do I do? And they have a security system. They go, okay, well, you have this badge, and the presenter just essentially just shoves it right in the protector's face. And would say, Okay, thank you. Have a nice day. Well, yeah, I mean, but this is this is also <laughs> nineteen eighty six. The scanning technology is is not very good. Right, but also we also had Jeff Goldblum's the fly with his great computer, so yeah, you know, a little, little uneven in the eighties. Well, again, that's <laughs> yeah. Whenever they needed a computer to do something, but they didn't know how to get it to do that, they would just ask it a question, and it would answer. Yes. Um, and they also say that it also implemented like 
unmovable shutters on every exit from midnight to 6 a.m., which is not a lot of time that the mall's closed. But well, I'm, yeah, the other thing that I thought was funny is that if you're inside the mall when those doors close, you just have to wait till it opens. Right. There's no way to open the door. You'd think like, okay, well, you have like scannable badges. Why can't you just use the badge to get out? Right. I mean, obviously, we work with that technology now that you're able to do that. I'm just saying, even in the 80s, they had cards. I mean, because I, I know for a fact they did. Yeah. Because I, I, mean, I think I shared my, my AT&T, you know, yeah. roller yeah. skating phone story. That's how uh, he got into the building was he had a card that he'd put up to a reader that would open the door. Yes. And that was in like 1985. So I know they had the technology. Right. And if they have these protector technology, they should have that technology Correct. to let you out, like a, a service entrance or exit with only the badge allowing to be done. Right. I mean, obviously, this is just for purposes of the movie, but yeah, I'm just saying it's ridiculous Yeah, that you so, would not have a built-in backdoor. Correct. Um, yeah, so essentially, you know, the robots are there to stop any intruders using tasers, tranquilizer guns. Um, and they each have a floor they patrol of this, you know, three-story mall. So then we get a very, very 80s mall <laughs> montage, I'd call it nonetheless, right? Just all this stuff. You know, the pizza place where the guy seems to take his food very seriously for a food court restaurant. Uh, and then they make fun of the guy who's just ordering, that just goes and eats and gorges himself every night when he gets done. Uh, probably with work or he's just at the mall every day? I don't know. Um, Excuse me, miss. I need more butter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, very 80s. Then we ha- then we get introduced to our cast of couples. You know, they're planning on having this, this essentially party in the furniture store after hours. Um, they're inviting their friends. The correct, uh, the correct term would be Roman orgy. Well, yeah, that's... <laughs> yes. And then they have, you know, this new new friend that doesn't have a boyfriend, and you can tell this, and their nerdy friend who works there, whose uncle or owns like the furniture store, but you can tell he's nerdy because he wears glasses, <laughs> right? That's, I mean, uh, yes, this is the eighties, so yes, if you wear glasses, you are a nerdy character. Period. Right. Um, and then we were also introduced to a couple who just got married and have their own tow truck. And that's how they make all their money. They spent, you know, so much money on the tow truck. They realize how many, you know, repairs they have to do. And they have this weird math in their head, how much it takes to repair it. But essentially they didn't do a honeymoon. They bought this truck and now they're going with these quote, I don't know, teenagers, twenties, thirties people, age people. I have no idea. It's the eighties. They're very, you know, mature, mature, mature. I would imagine that you weren't allowed to work past a certain time in the 80s as well as a teenager, like uh, you couldn't in when I was a teenager. I highly doubt that. <laughs> um, the 80s yeah. was not one for restrictions. Yeah. So, yeah, they just know that, like, hey, we have this badge. We're going to stay here and just have a wild party in the mall with a lot of the stores still seemingly open. I, met, I think it's just all the mall, the stores that they happen to work in because they all work in different spots. And then they proceed to have their Roman orgy where everyone's within five feet of each other having sex. Except the dirty guy and this girl that he likes, they're watching, I 
couldn't pick out the movie of what it was. Uh, public domain movie looked like a probably a Roger Corman movie. That had giant ants. Right. Anything anything with with giant ants. Uh, I also say that because uh, the producer of this was Julie Gorman, Roger Gorman's wife. So that's why I'm saying it's a Roger Corman movie. Um. So anyway, then you know they're they're doing this stuff. We meet like the guy at the board, essentially watching and maintaining the protectors. And lightning storm happens and hits. You know the protectors one through three. Um. And yeah, I don't think the guy had any lines, other than "Oh yeah," as he's looking at his dirty magazine he hid within his own book when he's the only one there. Uh, and the protectors, you know, essentially programming gets rewritten. He gets killed. Then the next guy comes in like, oh, he's not here. We don't see the guy's body ever again. We don't know where the body went. And then he goes like, ooh, let me finish this almost eaten, fully eaten donut. <laughs> Which just, is weird. You know, just didn't want to be wasteful. That's all. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, so... And then he gets killed as well. Um, and then, you know, as as the Roman orgy is going on, one guy, uh, Mike, his girlfriend, she goes, I need cigarettes. It's like, I got a pack here. Well, I only smoke. I don't remember what she said she smoked. Virgin lights. Virgin lights, yes. So he had to go to now stuff you don't see anymore, the cigarette vending machine. Which she says, what, what, a buck 25 for a pack of cigarettes in 1986. You're not, you're not going in divey enough bars, man. They still got them. <laughs> well, that's fair. I'm probably not. Um, and let's just say his personality is he chews gum. <laughs> Very, Very annoying. Loud. And, and Very like loudly. nonstop. Yes, that's his character trait is he's got the square jaw and he chews gum. And that's fair because that's, that's, that's what happens, essentially, right? He. They go after him. Um, you see, he's like, oh, here's my badge. And they're like, you know, ignore him and like try to, uh, he tries to escape on the world's flimsiest bar. Like it looked like it was made out of rubber almost when he's trying to get out those doors. That bar is just so flimsy. Um, but we see an arm come out and that's pretty much it. Oh, also, I forgot well, to mention it, it, he shoots him with a sleep dart. Yeah, um, and he goes to sleep, and then that's when he when he grabs yeah. his neck and kills him. But the funny part is, is they specifically made a big thing about them having these sleep darts, and this is the only time in the movie the sleep darts are ever used. Correct. We also see the janitor who plays the curmudgeon neighbor in Gremlins, you know, big eighties guy, also in you know Joe everything Joe Dante makes in the eighties. Uh, he's killed because one of the protectors knocks over his water bucket, slot bucket, and then shoot the taser into him, electrocuting him. You know, there's a neat little cameo by them. You know, um, and then Mike's girlfriend goes to try to find him. Like, oh, it's taking him forever. I need my virgin slims, <laughs> right? Yeah, so with with no pants on. I mean, in right, the mall. So we, I mean, yeah, the mall isn't even totally closed yet. She's walking around with no pants on in the mall. Right. So we follow her ass essentially to the cigarette machine. Yeah, that's a long <laughs> ass shot. Yeah. Um, and she goes, "Huh, 
I don't see him. Like, yeah, the lights are off. We can clearly see him, but she stumbled onto him. Then, like, she looks at him as, like, his throat is slit open, and that's when blood comes out. Oh, yeah. And then the protector seems to uh, have gotten through the other side of the doors for a nice surprise and jump scare for her. That's very thoughtful of it. The doors that were clearly locked. And then somehow opens them towards itself. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it has lasers. It could have cut yeah. people locks. Yes. Um, so it starts chasing her and shoots lasers at her a little bit. And they like, they're almost like blasters from Star Wars, I would say. Like, you know, not well, a lot of damage. Yeah, but they also sound like the lasers from War of the Worlds. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, she's trying to get in places that she goes to where the furniture store is, and then her head just explodes from the laser. <laughs> and then the room, well, yeah, every, everybody in the party goes to the window to watch her head explode. So now right. everyone is aware that the robots are killing everyone. Yes, I mean, the Roman orgy had to come to a stop for that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody was done at that point. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, at least they succeeded. Yep, after they see that, they try to, you know, go into the stock room there and realize, oh, they're not going to let us out. And they're like, oh, we have to get out before the shutters close. Because it's still not even midnight at this point in time. Um, So they're like, oh, look, here's a vent. And they start crawling through it. Oh, no, the, the ladies start going through the vent. um, And they're trying to find all this, all the stuff out. And then, yeah, they realize that there is, like, the heat is turned on. Like, it's summer, so the vents starting to get hot, really, really hot. I don't know how accurate these vents that people can fit in, let alone two or three people side by side. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? I mean, malls are large. <laughs> right. a, they have probably have huge HVAC systems. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Who knows? I yeah, mean, so- they are. They do have big big vents sometimes i've seen them in buildings but i don't know right um while that is going on the men go to hey we need to protect ourselves so like all right we're gonna go where all the assault rifles are apparently (laughs) well yeah i mean this is an american mall right um you know shells and assault rifles shotguns they just kind of ramble themselves up and the world's lightest propane tanks i've ever seen well, they're all yeah. They're also like smaller than the ones I've ever seen. You're right. Yeah, they're they're quite small. So they're like like a miniature tabletop grill. Yeah. Well, they, well, they were like half size. They were like half. Yeah. Hands. Yeah. Um. So you know they're like, hey, how do we get this? You know, the robots thing, and the guy shoots the the tow truck driver shoots the gun there, and one's just like right there. Well, that was fast. <laughs> I mean, okay, the malls aren't that big to where if you fire a gun in the air, everyone is immediately going to know where you are. Yeah. Uh, So they start shooting at it while it's shooting lasers unsuccessfully at them. It it, it apparently went to the Stormtrooper school shooting after that point in time. Um, They roll, they gingerly roll (laughs) the tank to it, and then they shoot it, and like it blows up. What's that? It's robot blood. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, this is an aside here. I mean, the sound that these robots make when they're driving around. Yes. I mean, it sounds like it's like a hot rod. I mean, it yes. is very loud and it is very like, again, it sounds like an engine running. 
Oh, absolutely. As opposed to like a RV car. <laughs> Right, and every <laughs> every car. tiny movement is is coupled with that. Yep. <laughs> every single movement. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So they're doing that, and they realize, hey, we're gonna set up this booby trap on the elevator, which they know how to open the elevator. Doesn't work. Then they know how to rig the elevator because they have the nerds. Um. They start hooking up hoses, which I don't really get hoses from to the elevator. Uh, while they're, while that's happening, the, the women in the vent like, okay, I'm panicking. I can't do this. They open, exit the vent system and happen to just go into an automotive shop, which, you know, plot convenience right there. And they start arming themselves. And they're like, all right, here's, here's all these full containers of gasoline that are there. I don't know if I've ever seen a gasoline container full inside a store. Have you ever been inside an automotive store in 1986? I mean, I might have. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think I ever carried full gas cans. But I mean, yeah, no. for the purpose of the. But again, the purpose of it is like, okay, it's a robot. Yeah. It's made of metal. What do you think fire is going to do to it? Fire burns and purifies yeah. it. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what you were thinking. I mean, like, uh, the one lady was a mechanic, right? Right. Like, she you should know. know. Yeah. You she should, should know, know that, yeah, throwing. A Molotov at a car is not going to stop the car. You might burn the interior, but that's about it. Right. And they're like, okay, let's just make all these Molotovs. And first off, you know, those are probably what? Gallon, gallon and a half gas cans. Those aren't light either. No. <laughs> and they're each carrying multiples of them. Yeah, they have I think they have like at least one in each hand. Yeah. Uh and then, you know, one they see a road flare and they're like, okay, cool. And I don't have a pocket, so I'm just shoving this in my bra. Well, she clearly had pockets. I know. <laughs> but she acted like she didn't know what pockets were. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, well, to be fair, a lot of women's clothing does not have pockets. Right. But I know that her her clothes did. Yeah. Um. So then, let's see here. They Then they realize, hey, let's meet up the guys. So they're they're going to set up the trap. Um, they lure one of the protectors, I think it's protector two, into the elevator while on the top floor. And, you know, they jump off. I think it's Ricky, like, does this, like, huge leap that would clearly break both his legs from the top of the elevator. Um, and none, none of them are able to shoot the propane tanks or an elevator until, uh, was it Allison? Yeah, I think her name was Allison. All of a sudden, she's like, give me the gun. She shoots it perfectly. My dad's a Marine. That doesn't mean you know how to shoot. Let's, I'm well, also, <laughs> I'll say, okay, there was three guns available, right? Yes. You have one assault rifle, two shotgun, three handgun. Yes. And she takes the handgun and hits it the first shot. Yes. Uh, and tanks were clearly made flimsier in the 80s because it works with one shot. Uh, and it, they then blow up uh, Protector 2. Um, what we didn't realize, uh, they didn't realize, is they just saw robot blood, and Protector 1's still alive. Right. right? Uh, so then they go hide, what, in the restaurant? Um, well, yeah, one girl died. Oh, yeah, because it started running over her, but then it ignited the gasoline, so she was, like, crawling while being burnt alive. 
Yeah, well, yeah, because they tried their Molotovs on it, and uh, of course it did absolutely nothing, and it just drove through the fire because it's just fire. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, and then the one uh, the one girl got set on fire. <laughs> yeah. And she died a slow, agonizing death while everybody watched her scream and writhe around on the ground. Yes. And they did, no, no one did anything. I mean, I don't know what they could have done, but no one did anything at all. Right. And um, her boyfriend tries to shoot at them, which the bullets do nothing to metal robots. Surprise, surprise. I mean, if you hit them in the right spot, I'm sure they would, but they weren't even trying. Right. Um, so then, the, then they go hide in the restaurant, uh, the pizza place, essentially, right? or Italian place, I'd say. Um, you know, talking about, you know, like, how could you shouldn't have left the ducks? She's dead because of you guys. And gets really, really angry. Um, and then he threatens, uh, essentially all of them saying, cause he's very distraught that his girlfriend died. Right. I'd say rightfully so. Um, and threatens the nerd. Uh, and then that's when they realize, you know, hey, there's got to be a central computer somewhere, right? Uh, so let's go ahead, and if we sh- we should be able to shut them down from there. So they're like, okay, cool, we're gonna go do that. And it's like, what? It's on the third floor of the mall. Mm-hmm. The Asian malls don't have a floor on top of the top floor of the mall. Um. So they yeah, they agreed to go do that. All of a sudden, you know, another protector shows up and throws what's his name, Greg, over the side of the railing and he dies from massive head trauma. The assault rifle guy? Yeah. Yeah. No. No, the one with the shotgun. Not the, the shotgun. Not the, yeah. not the mechanic. Right. The one that yeah, was they have to kill them in couples. Correct. Yeah, like yeah, not they, there can't be two mismatched couples. There has to be you know one couple <laughs> at a time. So it's one member of the couple, then the second member. It follows that pattern throughout the movie, right? Uh, and then you know they're like, okay, well, you know, so yeah, so it's the mechanic couple and the nerdy couple left, and they go what to a apartment uh, store, I'd say. They yeah. want something to shoot at. We'll give them something to shoot at. So they line up a whole bunch of mannequins with them in there as well, which is a weird tactic. You'd think you would like hide and have them go towards the mannequins and then start shooting. Um, right. And then I'm trying to, yeah, they sell mannequins, confuse it. Uh, uh, and well, then, yeah, and then uh, yeah, essentially in this battle, <laughs> if, if you will, um, the mechanic couple both get killed. Yes. Um, so then it's just the nerdy couple. The nerdy couple, um, yeah, because he they managed to take out one of them, so there's only one left at this point. Right. Because um, the, then, the one that's the one that's left is, uh. Because they blind it somehow, right? It shoot they shoot. Well, that, yeah, they, not yet. That's the that's the part we're getting to. Okay, is that uh, it? Like they split up. Um, but the the nerdy couple, uh, Allison, I think his name is Marty, something like that, or Birdie, something Birdie. like that. Birdie. Um, yeah. So they split up trying to find this computer thing. Um, you know, they both go into like separate storage rooms. Yeah. Which is yeah, I don't know what you're gonna think you're gonna find a computer in a storage room, but whatever. That's what they do. Um, so the robot finds um. 
the girl finds Allison. She starts screaming. The robot waits patiently for Birdie to come all the way from the other side of the mall to them. Um, And then turns and then he shoots it point blank range in the laser window. And yeah, essentially, so it can't have lasers. Right. Yeah. So then it it can't shoot lasers anymore. But it tosses a canister at him, which he then falls and hits his head and bleeds. Right. Yeah. Presumed dead. Correct. So then, yeah, then we get Allison with her with her final thing where she just the worst paint can lids in the history of the world that she just barely touches. They come right off. Yeah. But not only that, but like paint is not that flammable. Also not that color stay on the shelf. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's just white. Yeah. She was like throwing all this paint all over the ground and then like mixing it with like paint thinner. Right. Like, okay, like, if you're trying to set a fire, just use the paint thinner. Like, the paint is not going to do anything. Um, I mean, I guess she was doing, like, she was trying to make it slippery because, like, its tank treads were going. But, I mean, that's kind of like the point of tank treads is they don't get slippery. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. But, yeah, so it was, like, slipping on the paint. And then she, like, take, you know, of course, uses her road flare that was in her her, uh, bra bra wallet. Yep. <laughs> um, and then throws it, and then all the paint explodes, which, again, paint is not all that flammable. I don't know how it would explode, but even though it survived the fire before, it does not survive this fire. Correct. That that, that fire was more hot right. because of the chemicals. Well, it knocked its head off. You can see its head flop off to the side. Oh, the yeah. rest of the robot was totally intact, but the head flops off to the side, which means... Yeah. Yeah, and then she's, as she's limping towards the exit... Um. Then we see that Ferdy is also alive, and they walk out. Now, one thing I do have to point out, as well, I forgot to mention it, is when they're in the restaurant, they realize all the damage we've done to the mall. That's going to take like a million repair jobs to fix. Well, maybe we'll up our rates. Like, if you're in the mall, you could just say you aren't having the Roman orgy, but this this one arrived. I don't think you'd be held liable for the damage. Oh, okay. Done. I mean, regardless, they could have <laughs> said they were in there having a party. That's yeah. not, that's not a death sentence. No, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously these things are malfunctioning. Obviously this is going to be a huge lawsuit against them and no way would they ever press charges against these people. Right. That's a, yeah. I didn't understand that part either. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, why are, why are you concerned about damages? Like they're ever going to charge you for this. <laughs> Right, yeah these 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 things meant to protect them all. The first night, run them up and kill right what, so eight like, people. <laughs> right, so it's like okay, like in on what planet is they are or is the legal system going to side with the robots? It's right, not going to happen. Yeah, and then a little post credit scene is you know we there's a what fourth unknown protector and he says have a nice day. Well, no, I think it's just one of the other ones survived. Okay. I mean, the one survived a tank blast, so I mean, who knows? The other ones yeah. could have survived. Could have been the paint one. Could have put his head back on. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, end end of end of movie. Um, you know, I we we've I think we discussed this even on here, uh, briefly. But you know, this was definitely not a first watch through for me, not a second watch through. Um, but you've seen this a number of times and. How how misleading is the poster and the name of this movie? Because what the poster is essentially like a severed hand holding a shopping bag, 
and it's a, like, it's a robot hand. It's a robot hand. Well, yeah, but it's a a humanoid robot hand. Like it has yeah. five fingers. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. no one gets chopped in this chopping mall. I understand it is a a play of words, and I think the original title Killbots would have been better. Well, I mean, this is the eighties, man. Malls are yeah. Huge. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. This is the era of Tiffany and the mall crowd. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. People people want it, you know, people want if they can have mall in the title, they're gonna take it. Yeah, and it's obviously it's a play on shopping mall, but it's shopping mall. Um, but you know, uh, the the first thoughts when I first saw this that I, I think I watched it within the past year for the first time in a very long time. Um, you look back and you go, okay, that's pretty cheesy, but you know, it is an era of the eighties because shopping malls were malls were huge. So it really tied into that era, I think, perfectly. Um yeah, I mean I it's it's is it goofy? Yeah, it is. It it's goofy, but it's still a good, fun movie to watch, I think. It, I think it's one of those things you can just kind of turn on and, and turn off your brain. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's just a dumb, fun movie. I mean, I've, I've seen this movie a lot of times. I mean, the first time I saw it was probably in 1986 or 1987, <laughs> like right after it came out. Uh, because it was, I, I don't know if it was actually big or not, but I remember it was in the video store. And of course, yeah, you know. Well, the looked, cover art. Yeah, it yeah. looked, yeah, that was the, definitely the cover art that sold me on it. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah. Um, and then it was like robots, which was, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I know, especially for you, for right. you in the 80s. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I love the Terminator. <laughs> obviously, this was not as good as the Terminator, but, you know, it was a bonus for me when I watched it. And, and again, it's it's not a it's not a great movie. I mean, it's not going to win any awards or anything, but it's just a good, dumb, fun movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, highlights for highlights for me in this movie realistically is it, it, the idea of the ai gone awry um you know there's there's always that thing there's been that thing since robots have essentially been in sci-fi movies or horror movies um you know it it's like i said it's just it's good fun i think it i think it captured the the mall perfectly and i never worked at a mall i know people that did uh but yeah i think it captured what the mall experience is and would you know was a good tie into uh, the mall experience. It's nostalgia at this point in time because most malls are dead or dying. Yeah. Um, and the ones that aren't are dangerous. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I spent some time in malls in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say my heavy mall times were in the early 90s because um, I lived within walking distance of a mall. So I was there all the time. But um, yeah, when I was younger, yeah, I was in the mall all the time, and yeah, it, it looked like every other mall looked like at that time an unnecessary number of shoe stores for some yep. reason. I mean, if you look in the show, there I don't I don't even know how many shoe stores were in there. Oh, mall. it was five. I mean, it was like <laughs> everywhere. Every every time yeah. they're in a scene in the regular mall, there's a shoe store behind them. There's an unnecessary number of shoe stores, and that's true. There really is that many shoe stores. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a stupid fun movie, and again, I've seen it yeah. a bunch of times, and it's yeah, and I, I've I've rewatched it again. I've I watched it uh, maybe a couple years back, because um, I, I think in a uh, um, Agents of Shield, 
Um, if you've ever seen that show, they they mention it in one of the episodes. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I should rewatch that, and I did. Yeah, so I mean, this was at belief was some of the stuff was shot at a mall. Obviously, not inch here they didn't destroy all that stuff. Um, but exterior was. I'm just looking up right now. Uh, but essentially, it took place at Sherman Oaks Galleria, where Fast Time at Richmond High and Commando were shot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you usually recognize them all from Commando. Well, it's yeah, it's the same elevator in Commando. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the the elevator is uh, prominent in both of the movies. Right. Um. Yeah, I I just find it weird. There's no arcades. They so they showed zero arcades, and usually when you have wall well, sh- shootings, that you have at least one arcade scene, right? There was an arcade scene, wasn't there? Where the guy pushed the kid out of the way. Yeah, I mean that yeah. was that was just part of the the montage in the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, my guess is they probably didn't want explosions and shit happening in front of the arcade. It's <laughs> probably what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we, I don't know if we discussed it on here, but I know we've discussed it before. I didn't know arcades existed in the malls because my parents never took me to those areas of the mall. They oh, yeah. never wanted me to know where they were. Um, yeah, the, the, the mall that I hung out with, or the mall that I hung out at both when I was a kid and later in the 90s, uh, both had arcades. Yeah. Um, the one in, uh, uh, it's actually, a, it's funny because it's a dead mall now. It's gone. It's not there anymore. Um. There was a, a mall that had a an arcade. And I remember if you went there early on a Saturday, because they yeah. didn't technically open until noon. But if you went there at 10 o'clock on Saturday, they would like open the doors for like five minutes and everybody would get in. Um, and then you'd pay a flat fee of like, I think it was like five bucks. Oh, wow. Um, and he put free play on all the machines. So That's from like, cool. yeah, from like 10 to 12. For five bucks, you had free play. You could play any arcade machine in the whole thing, and there was only a few people there. Huh. I, mean, I was I was never there alone, but there was only a few people there. It was great, but yeah, like you all get in there, you pay your five bucks. He locks the door behind you, and then you just play all you want. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, well, it was awesome for me, and you know, yeah, the late eighties was fantastic. Yeah, uh, low points though for this. You know the, the the guy just chomping, chomping at his gum nonstop. It was well, that's very why he annoying. Went. That's why he died first. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, it just that, and like I said the Roman orgy. I even as a teenager, I don't think I've ever done something like that. <laughs> it's just weird. I I feel. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, these were obviously not teenagers, but like yeah. real teenagers. Yeah, they do that stuff. I mean, <laughs> if you have a party and you have a very limited space to have that party in, yeah, it'll end up that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I, can, well, I can say when I was a kid, I was, you know, hanging out in rooms where people were in the corner, obviously getting it on while the rest of the people in the room were just trying to ignore them and concentrate <laughs> on whatever else they were doing because yeah i mean yeah sometimes you only have a room as you know when you know you're like young teenagers you know having a party or whatever yeah it happens but then it'd be the people watching the movie that'd be uncomfortable i'd say yeah <laughs> yeah but again, that's basically what you did. You just pretended like it wasn't happening and you just watched TV or do whatever else you were doing. 
Uh, I'm going to guess at one of your low points, and I'm sure you have more. I'm going to go with one of your low points is where they knock down the spiders and the snakes in the pet stores when she's hiding, and they start um, crawling her. <laughs> yeah, okay. One, when that snake was wiggling around, it was smacking those spiders, and those are real spiders. Yeah. I was like, why? That's dangerous, man. I mean, the spiders are going to, like, kill the snake or something bad. Some bad's going to happen. Anyway, <laughs> uh, when she was underneath, like, the shelf or whatever, uh-huh. hiding underneath, those were real spiders on her, man. Yeah. They were real. They were moving. They were wiggling and stuff. And this is 86. They don't have that kind of technology. Yeah. Oh, man. I was like, <laughs> those are real. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, when she was when she was getting out, they were fake and they just fell off. Right. But when she was like sitting under there, they were real. They were like just sitting on her arm, and that thing was huge. Yeah, it was like the whole. It was like the whole size of her bicep. It was giant. <laughs> oh my god! Like I said, I imagine terrifying. that was a low point for you. It was terrifying. <laughs> Do you have any other low points? <laughs> low point? No, I mean not not really. I mean, Mister and Mrs. Bland are very very annoying. But like I said, they they play those characters. There's a whole subset of that, of those characters for them somewhere. I'd have to look it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's an overall pretty decent movie. Um, now let's get into just our category for, for this round, which is the AI win or AI fail. As determined, would you be worried about this AI taking over humanity? What do you think? Uh, I would not. No, I mean this is like a a limited case in the eighties. It's not like they have the internet to really spread around the globe. Yeah, uh, this is like one limited case of like a lightning strike somehow gave them sentience in some way or another. I don't know, um, but yeah, I highly doubt that this would be a a massive you know issue. I mean, obviously they you know it was bad for these you know people that got trapped in the mall because they don't you know can't do anything about it but if you had like you know an anti-tank <laughs> weapon you could take them out pretty easily but yeah it's just the three I, I don't think if it did happen with other mall locations it would be a very limited thing right yeah so yeah i mean obviously they're just gonna everything's gonna get discontinued after this but yeah i don't think there's a greater uh threat to humanity as a whole yeah like i said that that's that's fair i i think you know I, if there was a sequel, I bet you they would have, um, you know, essentially said that, you know, this was a one-time fluke. That you know, they could have been like, "All right, let's just open up every mall with these things," and had a bigger, more grandiose aspect of it. But yeah, these are—I'm not worried about these. You know, <laughs> they were taken out pretty decently, easily. Well, yeah, I mean, again, when they, when they got finally got out there, it may have been, you know, they may have still been around, but again, once they tell them what's happening and somebody comes in with any kind of armor-piercing anti-tank thing, they're out, right? Yep. And it's, yeah. you, know, you, you don't have that capability in a mall. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, for for this week, we are doing number of reboots out of 10. Um, You know, 10 being... 10 being the best, 1 being, or 0, and on some of these go, being the worst. Uh, because this is such a fun, campy movie, and it's just easy to watch, and you don't have to think too much about it, I mean, I, I'm I'm probably going to an 8 on this. Eight, 8 reboots out of 10. 
How about you? Um, uh, again, I wouldn't actually say this is a seven, right? Thinking about it. Yeah. But I have gone back and rewatched this movie multiple times. So by following my own rewatch law, it has to be a seven <laughs> in order for me to rewatch it. And since I have rewatched it, that means it's a seven. Okay. Fair. So it, it, it's just, it's when, you know, especially when the wife goes, let's put on a dumb, stupid, cheesy horror movie. This is easily a good contender every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. So, all right. So that brings us into the next movie, movie Death Machine, and you will go ahead and take that on. Yeah. Um, Death Machine. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had never seen this movie before. I don't think I've ever even no. heard of this movie before. Um, but, yeah, there's some, some interesting things in it. Um, before I go into it, yeah, it's like Rachel Weiss is in it for all of, like, three seconds. Yep. Um, she does have a speaking role, but it is literally she just says a line in the beginning of the movie and she never comes back. She's just gone. And yeah. it's like a weirdly like a headshot. Like she's not even in the, the camera with other people. It's just like a weird headshot of her saying something and then people responding and then she's totally gone. But and she, she has a piercing. Yeah, she has a nose ring. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's that. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, well, I guess I'll go into the character names when we get to them. Um, <laughs> yeah. As they're introduced, I'll, I'll give it because it yeah it it gives it away too much in the very beginning. Anyway, so um, we're given a uh, kind of like a little mini intro in that there's like this diner right that's like on fire yep. and being destroyed, and there's dead people everywhere, and there's a bunch of people you know got holes right in their heads. It looks like you know somebody like executed them, um, and there's like this you know police and this like response team um and they come in uh to, to see all this death and destruction they go into the bathroom and there's a guy in this weird like suit i guess you could call it like kind of like a little mini mech suit right like an exoskeleton suit yeah um and he's just like punching the wall over and over and over and over again um and they go up to him and they essentially just like turn him off i mean he's like he, he's he looks human you know um he, he was saying you know things as a human would, but obviously something's wrong with him. Um, and there's a woman there. She's like screaming. Um, and then that's, that's kind of it where the, the guys in this like kind of SWAT response team and like their black weird looking armor that came in to retrieve this guy. Uh, they have a, apparently have like an agreement with the police. They're like, Oh, you never saw this. Nothing ever happened. Um, right. the cops are like, okay, great. So they go back to Chank headquarters <laughs> Yes, um, I had to read Chank. that like twice. Like, yeah, I'm like, what? what are they saying? What is that? Yeah, Chank, C H A A N K, is the name of this company. <laughs> this, this company is like a, I guess, like a military contractor. They're like, a, it's like a weapons company, right? They essentially make Robocops, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, but the, but the the rest of the company is is weapons contracting. Um, yeah. So essentially, there's like a new CEO. Uh, this this woman comes in as the new CEO. Apparently, the old CEO just died recently. Um, she comes in, um, you know, because all of this, you know, they, they're experimenting on people with these like, you know, kind of robot things to, to people, stuff like that. All this stuff is rumors up until this point. 
Um, and then uh, after this, that woman that survived in the, in the bathroom is telling everyone what actually happened. Um, you know, they're all kind of sitting around the boardroom questioning, how did this get out? And the CEO says, well, I let it out. You know, she immediately like kind of tries to tell them to shut all this stuff down. Uh, you know, that their company is going to be more responsible, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the other guy on the other side of the table, who's, who's not a CEO, I don't know what his position is, but he seems to be like a, at equal standing with her, at least. I mean, he's clearly, he, he might be head of PR. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what he's, he is. He's definitely, he's definitely a C-level board member. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, it, it seems to be wielding the same level of power. I mean, he's obviously a, you know, on the board, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, right. But yeah, his name is Scott Ridley. <laughs> Yes, Scott um, Ridley. Okay, that doesn't sound that bad now, but wait wait till you hear the rest of these. <laughs> um, the other guy on the board, who is the, the big dude with the beard, who was the guy that led the SWAT team in the beginning, um, his name is John Carpenter. Yep. <laughs> um, he's another person on, on the board. <laughs> um, they uh, basically, you know, were like, okay, yeah, 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 we'll shut everything down. Everything's, everything's okay. Um, and she basically decides that she needs to talk to the guy that designed all this stuff, right? There's like this guy that they have that is kind of like a troll that lives in their basement um, that designs all of this, like, you know, weapons for them, right? He's genius, like genius yeah, level intellect. Though. Right. Yeah. He's like, he's like their, their inventor, right? He's yeah. like the guy that the company's built around, but he just sits in the basement tinkering all day. He doesn't care about the board level stuff. With like 20 TVs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes down there to talk to him. And of course, he's like all super edgy. He has like spray paint all over his door. It's like, <laughs> keep out, you know, and she goes into the room and there's all these like action figures everywhere and like goofy cartoons well, are uh, playing on the TV. L- l- let me ask you, were those He-Man characters? Some of them they seem like He-Man characters. Some, like of, some of them were not it all of like them, but, but, but some of them were. Yes. Beast okay. Man was in there. Man at Arms was in there. Skeletor, I believe. Skeletor's yes. castle was in there. Yes, yes. There's lots okay. of him. It, okay, it looks like what they did is, because this is like the mid-90s, right? So right. it looks like they went into a thrift store and just picked up all the toys that they had there. And they just <laughs> threw them all on these shelves. Okay, so there's all this, like, you know, computer equipment and wires and, and TV monitors and all this stuff everywhere. Right. It's like, a, again, like the typical, you know, nineties kind of, you know, underground technology kind of look, right. Hacker. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Joe Dante, uh, or no, it was Jack, Jack Dante, uh, who's played by Brad Dorif. Um, he comes out, and he's the inventor guy, right? And he's all like, yep. why, are you, why are you touching my stuff? And he's like, again, picture like every um, like edgy 90s character you can possibly think of. And he is following all of those tropes. And add add 20 years to the age of what right. we thought that Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. You, you think the guy would be in his early 20s. He looks like he's 40, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. but he's got like long hair, which is obviously extensions, which is funny because you can see his shorter hair mixed in with the extensions okay yes. so like you know how short his hair <laughs> normally was and they put all these weird long extensions in there um he's yep. wearing like kind of gothy light makeup um he's got like you know your typical you know shirt with the flannel over it and he's got like the ripped up jeans um he's got like the the claw finger uh jewelry things and one of them's like a little wrench you know to show that he's like you know a techie guy or whatever he he reminds me of Hello Fellow Kids meme <laughs> of of 
uh, what's his name? Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of sort of like that. But again, he's like he's he's hitting all of the '90s um, edgy, uh, random as they used to call it back then, hot buttons, right? Yeah. So we're like, she's trying to talk to him. He doesn't care what she's saying. He's like watching cartoons on TV. You know, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't care. She's trying to tell him, you need to stop this stuff. You need to shut it down. Um, there's like some secret project that he's working on that she can't get access to, even though she's a CEO. And she's like, well, how do you get access to it? He's like, oh, well, you need your key, and then you need Scott Ridley's key. She's like, well, how do you get in? And he's like, oh, I am a hacker. Yes. It's like, oh, great. And then he, you know, starts reading off like uh, how much money she has in a bank, like what her address and her phone number is. She's like, oh, how do you know all that? He's like, I am a hacker. I mean, it's it's very <laughs> very generic. Uh, but again, uh, this is the '90s. Mad, you know, hacking was magic back then. It- Correct, but most people get hackers don't go around us and they're hackers. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, th- this guy is super edgy, so of course he does that. Um, right. So yeah, basically they come to a standstill where he goes, you know, kind of shakes his fist after she leaves, like I'll never do what you say, kind of stuff. Whatever. You're not my mom, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Essentially, yes. Um, so she goes, tries to talk to Scott Ridley into helping uh, her open up this vault. Uh, he says no. And then she, you know, apparently also as a CEO has pickpocket powers. Yep. Um, so she pickpockets his swipe card. Um, so she, instead of, I don't understand this part, instead of going into the vault, um, she goes to another, oh, first she puts on sweatpants. Disguise. <laughs> right. Disguise. And then Come she on. goes to like <laughs> this engineering room and then scans in there. And then she's just typing on the computer instead of just going to look what's in the vault. I don't understand what's happening. Also, um, also in the engineering room, she's not wearing protective eye gear with all the welding going on. Oh, yeah, of that, course. That, that, that's, a, that's a OSHA violation here. Okay, so, uh, yeah, they have a, a kind of a, a weird standoff. Um, this starts in her office, uh, but eventually moves to the engineering room because she needs to know what he's doing. But anyway, in the office, um, he kind of, you know, threatens her that she needs to like back off and let him do his thing because he's making all the company money. And if, if she doesn't back off, he's going to try tanking everything. And then he like blackmails her and threatens her, blah, 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 you know, typical evil, evil stuff. He does actually pull out a gun and threaten yes. her with it. Um, and then she get, somehow gets the gun and then threatens him with it. But he just like leaves in a huff. You know, like, Oh, I don't care about guns in my face. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so then yeah, she goes to this uh, this engineering room. She she okay. So um, as as she's like typing away on this computer, like trying to find out more information about uh, Brad Dorif or Jack Dante, um, Jack Dante goes and has a meeting in the conference room with Scott Ridley uh, to uh, basically threaten him uh, because you know again. At this point, he knows that she's using his card to get into the system. Um, and he's like saying, Oh, she stole it from me. But obviously, he knew that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, he just keeps threatening him. Um, and, and, as, and essentially, he like takes out this big, like goofy remote control with a key and a button, like a dead man's switch button for some reason. Um, and he like, Oh, he's like, Oh, you want to know what I've been working on? And he like, you know, turns the key and turns it on. And it's like, you know, we see like the kind of POV of like a, I guess like a Terminator type uh, 
like a nineties video game version of like the Terminator vision. Yeah. Uh, where this monster comes out of the vault that, uh, you know, that the CEO was trying to get into. So this, this, whatever it is, is coming out of this giant vault and it, you know, they show it running upstairs and running through hallways and all this stuff. Um, and it gets to the conference room. Um, and then, you know, he, basically takes his hand off the dead man switch and shows him his new creation, which is like a giant kill bot. I mean, it looks like, uh, it looks kind of like a, a metal xenomorph. Yeah. More fair. or less. Um, yeah. that's got like big knives for teeth and like huge, big knife hands. I mean, yep. essentially what it is anyway. Um, so yeah, th- this thing chases and kills, uh, Scott Ridley. Um, and then, uh, Basically, you know, Brad Dorf goes down, or sorry, Jack Dante goes down to the room to confront uh, the CEO. Uh, you know, they're kind of like playing this cat and mouse game where um, she's like typing stuff in the machine and he's like trying to figure out what she's doing. Anyway, she ends up taking away uh, Jack Dante's access to the computer system. Um, which, I mean, for a hacker of his caliber, I wouldn't think that would matter. But from a CEO? Yeah, yeah, he seems yeah. very upset by that. <laughs> Um, so they're kind of like, um, you know, fighting each other. Uh, John Carpenter <laughs> comes in at this point, um, and is like trying to like, you know, figure out what's going on and sort of kind of sort of break it up. Uh, Brad Dorf kind of, uh, pulls a gun and is like trying to threaten everybody. And then our other three guys who there's a, there's, I think there was a scene before this that showed them like starting their break in and their planning of their heist. But, um, there's yeah, th- three, they're, they're, uh, let's, Let's call them people terrorists. Right. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're, they basically plan this heist. They're going to break into this corporation and, and kind of, I guess, steal all their money. I don't know. That's what the plan sounded like to me. Right. Um. Whatever. But they come in and the, the three guys are named, uh, the leader guy is named Sam Raimi. Uh, and the two other guys are named Wayland and Utani. Um, yep. So yeah, there's I mean there's a running theme we, yes, have, there we have going with with these characters. Anyway, so they are are now in the building at this point, and at that moment they come into the room, um, and they all have assault rifles, and they're basically like gonna get uh, their access cards, and then they have to get their unlock sequences. They don't really explain what that is, but they have to apparently get that from them. Um, so they hold everybody up. Um, everybody you know kind of holds their hands up, including jack dante um who you know there's a comical scene where they keep pulling guns off of him <laughs> uh, yeah. probably what i don't know 10 12 guns they pull Something out like that goofy yeah knives and stuff again like you know your typical edgy 90s weapons um <clears throat> and at this point they're all like okay we're gonna go down to this vault uh you know and we're gonna use your cards and your uh unlock codes to get in uh this vault right uh, they're like, okay, so they leave one guy behind um, to to uh, watch the, the three people while uh, Sam Raimi and Wayland go down to break into the vault. Uh, so they go down, they they break into t- the the vault, so they have to cut through. I don't know how they got this giant laser drill thing into the building because they did not have it before. Uh, but all of a sudden, they have it now. It's this giant laser drill that cuts a huge hole in this like vault door. After uh, Jack Dante convinces them that it would be easier to cut through this vault door instead of the main vault door, which they just believe and do so. 
Um, they cut open the door, and of course, they free uh, the killbot. Yep. Or the sorry, the death machine. Death machine. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Wayland uh, gets killed. Uh, Jack Dante gets away, uh, but Sam Raimi does manage to make it back up to uh, the other three guys. So now we uh, now we have Sam Raimi, uh, <laughs> Yutani, um, the, the CEO lady, and then John Carpenter, who's the bigger guy with the beard, the other bored guy. Right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jack Dante has slunk back into his you know cool edgy dungeon in the basement, um, and is like you know kind of poking fun at them through like you know video kind of screens and stuff as they're trying to make their they're trying to escape the building more or less. Um, so it, it kind of goes on for a little bit of cat and mouse, um, and they eventually make it up to, uh, well, they're, they're on an elevator. There's a scene in the elevator where, um, John Carpenter manages to take the gun. He finds out that the dudes with the assault rifles, they're not actually loaded, that they're yeah. part of like this humanist movement that would like, you know, they'd never hurt anybody. They were just here to like liberate the money or whatever. Right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so there it is there to liberate the money. And then at that point, um, the, the other guy with the John Carpenter pulls out a gun and, and then starts kind of like ordering them around. Right. Um, so he makes them all get in the elevator. They're going up the elevator. Killbot attacks the elevator, uh, essentially, you know, rips a big hole in the floor. Uh, John Carpenter ends up dying as a result of this. Uh, Yutani gets a big old uh, knife hand to the leg. Yeah. Um, but everybody else kind of sort of survives to where the, the, the kill bot or death machine falls to the bottom of the, the elevator shaft. And at this point, I think they're like at 70 floors up or something. Yeah. This, this place is huge. Yeah. It's a giant big corporate headquarters, like skyscraper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So eventually they get out of that. Uh, so now it's just uh, CEO lady, Sam Raimi, and an injured Yutani. Um, so they manage to make it to this other floor uh, where they're, uh, she tries to use her card and she can't get in. So this is obviously some kind of secret place. Um, Sam Raimi has John Carpenter's card and his unlock code. So he was able to get in with that. Uh, this is where they find um, the place where, uh, like the guy in the beginning of the movie, who is apparently an injured military vet, is like, made into like a machine like they download his personality out of his head and make him like a killing machine i guess yeah and uh, they put him in this like little mech exoskeleton suit so he's like you know tougher stronger you know and he's got no like no emotions and he's like you know i guess efficient whatever he's it's essentially turns into like a machine kind of yeah um so well you know when they're in there you know brad dorif uh threatens them again in this video screen they find out that uh the ceo lady had like a like a tracking chip implanted in her arm so he knows where they are um she does cut it out but at this point it's too late um so sam raimi volunteers to go into the uh the exo suit right uh knowing he's gonna lose his lose his humanity right right yeah but but it does it downloads it to a disc um and apparently you can upload it back later but, you know, somebody has to make the sacrifice, at least temporarily. Right. Uh, Yutani wants to do it, but he's injured, so he really can't. Um, so Sam Raimi uploads himself into this machine, uh, and then he goes off to try to find the killbot. Uh, and so they're just kind of uh, sitting there and waiting for a little bit. 
Uh, and then they just decide to go find him anyway. <clears throat> I don't think they ever have, I don't think they have a reason why they just decide that, you know, that they don't, they don't feel like it's right to leave him alone. So they, they grab a bunch of guns and they go down and follow him. Um, there's kind of a cat and mouse thing where, um, you know, Sam Raimi robot, Sam Raimi is trying to find the kill bot and it's like hiding from him. Um, but now at this point we find out that the kill bot kill uh, or uh, reads pheromones and fear. That's how it knows who to kill. Right. Which is interesting because like earlier, like he could have it target a specific person, but now it keys on fear. I thought that was a bit of a difference of like what its purpose was, but I, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, so uh, it, it doesn't read fear on Sam Raimi because obviously he's more, he's like more of a machine at this point. Um, so, he, but he does eventually find uh, CEO lady and Yutani because they're just regular people. Um, so there's a fight uh, back and forth. Uh, Killbot takes a missile from, from Sam Raimi, but keeps coming. Um, they managed to find this, like, what is it? It's like a construction hoist that, like, is on the exterior of the building. Um, yeah. And after, like, a minor fight there, um, they managed to get on the hoist. Uh, Yutani dies, you know, trying to, like, buy them enough time to get on this hoist to go down. Um, on their way down, uh, she uploads uh, Sam Raimi's personality back into him. Uh, so he's still in the, like, the mech suit thing. But now he's himself now. Um, and so then when they get to the bottom, um, they go back inside the building through like an open garage door. Um, and then they kind of make their way down to the vaults again, because now they're going to uh, try to get away from the kill because the killbot jumps off the building <laughs> and lands on the ground and survives. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so they're they're trying to go through these vaults and close these garage doors behind him to try to s- slow him down. Uh, it doesn't really slow him down very much, but they're basically trying to get to this big bulkhead vault door because they think that maybe the killbot won't be able to get past it. Um they do get to that door, they do open the door, but you know, they they climb over the top but it's not fast enough. It's um, world's slowest door. All right. So, yeah, they get in there. Um, and, of course, this is when Jack Dante shows back up in person, holding the actual controller for the, the, the death machine. Um, and he kind of lets it go so he can do his villain monologue type thing. Um, it doesn't really say anything of interest. He's just being all edgy. and you know, Right. Basically, at this point, he has like somehow fallen in love with the CEO and thinks that she's his girlfriend. And like, he's just very upset that she is not like, you know, falling for his charms or, or, or whatever. I don't, I don't right. know. Bizarre. I don't know what was happening here, but, um, so yeah, they're upset about that. Uh, eventually she somehow gets the controller away from him. Um, and then they, they have like some like weird explosive stuff that they got from like, it's like event explosives or something. Something like that, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so basically they get out of the vault and they manage to close the vault. So now it's Jack Dante in the vault with the the death machine, but now the CEO lady has the controls. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, at the end she just kind of lets go of the controls, and then, um, 
it, I'm assuming kills Jack Dante. They don't really show most of that, but Jack Dante gets controls. Now, um, there is some weird, bizarre stuff that happens in between there. I'm only mentioning it because I, I thought they were like super weird, interesting. Is that there's this scene where, um, you know, from doing all of his hacking, um, Jack Dante can't figure out, like, I guess what makes the CEO lady tick because like from all this hacking, he was able to find out that her family disowned her for some reason, but he couldn't find out why. Correct. And then then later on, he does find out what happens. And, you know, she has this weird crying breakdown where she tells him the story. And it was like, she was giving her baby a bath in the Mm -hmm. sink and somehow the baby's arm got stuck in the garbage disposal. Yeah. And it like, and it accidentally got turned on, and then so the baby's arm got ripped off, and then I, I guess the baby died from blood loss. I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, it was a bizarre scene. <laughs> it was a bizarre thing. I only <laughs> mentioned it because yeah, there's like these weird dreams that she was having where it was like looking into a drain with there's all kinds of like weird flesh in it and stuff. Yeah, um, I thought those were goofy, weird, interesting, but um. I only imagine at the end because it doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie, but I figured I'd just make a point. No, it's more of a, like, it seemed like an add on backstory. Right. Yeah. This is, I I guess, kind of leading up to why he think, I mean, obviously she was never his girlfriend, but he was like obsessing about that. But this is like parts of, of why he was obsessed, I guess. The the mystery. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, Cause he, he prides himself on having all the knowledge. Right, yeah, because he's and, a he's a hacker, right? And because he didn't have this knowledge, there's this this intrigue, this mystery about her, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. So essentially, movie over. Yep. Um. Uh, so, what are your first thoughts on this? Uh, first thoughts. I mean, yeah, I pretty much mentioned most of them. I mean, just how ultra '90s this movie was. I mean. It was like take every bad trope of the '90s and just pump it in this movie, and it's and it's right there. Um, oh I yeah, mean, technically it does check all the cyberpunk boxes, um, and I think it did a pretty decent job with that. Um, I mean, it was it was interesting. It was it was better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you look <laughs> you look at the cover of this movie, and you're like, yeah, this is gonna be horrible. I mean, this is there's no way this can be good. But it again, Correct. it was better than I thought it was. Going. I'll give it. I'll give it that. But even, I mean, I yeah, I I definitely uh, agree with that assessment because it's something we both missed somehow in the nineties. Well, again, this movie wasn't wasn't very big. I mean, interesting thing is that um, the next movie that the guy made that made this movie was Blade. Yeah. Um. So he, he literally has four movies on his resume. Of only four. This one is the first one, which no one has ever heard of, right? Yeah. Um, the second one is Blade, which was huge. Yes. Uh, the third one is some movie that is is very rare and hard to find. It was only played at like some festivals or something. Didn't really have any wide release. I've never seen it. I don't know. Uh, and the fourth one is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which ended multiple careers. One, Sean Connery, and two, this guy. Stephen Norrington is, is the guy's name, the writer-director. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it basically ended everyone's career that was a part of it. Uh, and yeah, and that was it. These are the, those are the only four movies that he ever made, which is a shame because I actually enjoyed the league of Vector gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it was that bad, but for some reason yeah. it like tanked everything again. Yes. Like, yeah, like Sean Connery, that was his last movie. He refused to do any movies after that. 
Yep. Um, yeah, this poor guy got like essentially blacklisted, never made another movie. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a lot of interesting, weird things. I thought it was a fun movie. I didn't think it was that bad, but I haven't seen it recently. I haven't seen it since it came out, but right when it came out, it was all right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do you feel like you missed out? Like, if you were watching this movie when it came out, say 1996, would you have enjoyed it more? Oh, think? yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. Me in 1996, yes, I would have liked this movie a lot more than I like <laughs> it now. Again, I like it now, but I would have liked it a lot more back then because I was, like, obsessed with trying to find more, like, cyberpunk movies. I was right. obsessed with cyberpunk media in general. But, um, yeah, right. so, like, any other kind of cyberpunk movie, I would have loved to see. And, again, I did a lot of... Again, this was kind of pre-internet, at least for me. Um, at this time, yeah, I don't think we had internet until like ninety-eight. So <laughs> this was yeah. this was a little bit before that time. And yeah, I never found it in any of my searches. I never heard of it. No, and that's and that's what's really bizarre is because you know this came out in ninety-five, so it was probably released in video ninety-six, and that's when I started getting into horror movies, and I've never recalled seeing this name ever. No, it was just bizarre for us to not know the movie. At least the name of it is weird. I I feel right, and like I said, I mean, there's you know there, there's some names in there. Um, oh yeah, there, there was the one guy. I I mean I don't I can't remember his name now, but he's the guy that he's in all the, like the latest Rob Zombie movies. He was the the third guy in uh, Three from Hell. He was the like the head hunter guy in Thirty One. Yeah, he um, was the he was the preacher in Doom. He yes. was in Barbarian very recently. Yes, yeah, he was the old man in Barbarian. Yeah, I mean, so there's yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, and I know him. He's especially big in the horror world. I I wish I could remember his name, but I can't remember it right now. But he's in it. He's Scott Ridley. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and the also, guy that plays John Carpenter, um, he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. And Brad Dourif. And Brad Dourif. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. But yeah, I mean, so there's like decent names in it i don't know there's, i mean i guess i never people, went down rabbit holes of any of those people but yeah there's there's names of people in especially in horror movies that we enjoy right so yeah i mean that like i said that was surprising my first thought uh, initial thought was this seems like this a two-hour movie because it was yeah it was it i was, was surprised long. yeah it i was, was long when i was looking at you know because i always look at how long something's going to be when i'm planning it out and like this, and I'm like two hours. Like, why is this movie two hours long? Like these yeah. movies I've never heard of are never that long. No, we're we're lucky if they're over an hour. Yeah, most I of mean, them are like seventy minutes. Well, yeah, Chopping Mall <laughs> is I think an hour and fifteen minutes long. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean it. It's I need to rewatch it. It wasn't. It wasn't piquing my interest initially. And I and when a movie, when especially when we're doing these for the podcast, if I'm not paying as much attention as I feel I should. And I just like I'm blanking out on like a couple parts. I will go back and just rewatch those parts, like like a 15 minute thing here. I'm like, okay, how'd that happen? I'll just go back and rewind it, you know, and and rewatch it again. Um, I do, I yeah. do, this, I do the same thing with books if it makes you feel better. Okay. Um, sometimes I'll get to, I'll get to a point and I'm like, okay, that happened, but I don't remember that happening. So I'll go back, you know, a few yeah. pages and reread. Oh, okay, all right, that's what happened. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I do the same thing. I, I think it's just brains blanking out and, and daydreaming while you're reading or watching yeah. stuff like I, that. Yeah. I, I feel that's what happened to me for this movie. So um, I'm definitely going to have to rewatch this again with, with more attention to it. Like I, like I said, it was, just, it wasn't drawing me in. 
it was interesting, but wasn't it drawing me enough? I'd say. I hear you. Um, what about highlights for you? Um, highlights. I mean, I really enjoyed the uh, the cyberpunk aspect of it. I mean, they really did a good job with that. Um, where you got like you know the humanist alliance guys are kind of like the, mm-hmm. the kind of neo nineties punk. You know, I think they nailed that style pretty well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just overall, I mean, you know, the kind of like, you know, overpowering corporate aspect, you know, the, 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 the corporate, you know, you know, doing whatever they feel like with no oversight kind of stuff. I mean, all those big major cyberpunk themes are all here. Um, you know, again, mixed with that nineties randomness, but, uh, they're all here. And I think that's cool. I mean, I think that the, the, the world building here is, is pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, again, the movie is not fantastic or anything, but I think the world building there's, you can tell this was somebody's like dream, you know, this was somebody's like, you know, world that was crafted with love at one point in time. Right. Yeah. And I, I agree. That's, that is a good highlight. You can tell, uh, the guy is a, is a horror nerd hands down and, and likes cyberpunk. And I feel like what he thought corporate america was like i guess well like, that uh, that uh, is that is how corporate america is depicted in cyberpunk like media yeah it's like yeah the corporate people are anything to make money screw the little guy you know well we don't care what the government says we can and can't do we're going to you know do whatever we want anyway at the detriment of the regular person yeah okay um what about low points for you <laughs> Uh, low points would have to be uh, probably the CGI. And granted, it is not used very often in this. No. Uh, but like the intro where like they're, they're doing like the people's names and the name of the movie. It is so, so bad. You yeah. think that you just kind of hold that back. Like this is the beginning of the movie. Don't don't throw that out there. Like people are going to turn this movie <laughs> off seeing how bad that is. I mean, yes, I understand this is, you know, the mid 90s, but I mean. I mean, come on. I mean, you're, you're dealing with like Jurassic Park at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is that's the that's the kind of competition you've got. And you're putting those title cards up like that's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the like the weight, the crappy, like metallic flow you're talking about. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and OK, so for me, low point is how over the top. The idea of a hacker was, but I think that it's just the stylization of hackers in the 90s. They were magicians. They were gods, essentially, of the computer world, and no one understood what they really were and what they did. And I think you can see that in here. You know, oh, it's just course, like, yeah. yeah. Um, also, be more original with names. Like, I get what you're doing. <laughs> Like, okay, Scott Ridley. Yeah, we don't all know who it is. And then you have the Wayland Utani, which is still from Ridley Scott's mind. Um, I'm just wondering if he the the order they're killed in is what he thought of the the directors or the you know company's names that he had in it. Like did Sam Raimi make it in because he likes Sam Raimi the most? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some like again, Scott Ridley, he at least reversed the names. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, with the, you know John Carpenter and Sam Raimi, you didn't even bother. So yeah, and and you and you nailed it on the head when you accidentally called him Joe Dante because it's Joe Dante that he was 
you know, if right. you change it from Joe to Jack, at least, I guess, right. I guess that's something. Um, yeah, like it's, like I said, it's one thing when it's like, I guess people in that world, right? Like it, when, when Bruce Campbell did, my name is Bruce and he named his, his dog, um, Sam Rob. So for Sam Raimi and Rob Tapper, his frequent collaborators, and he's just poking fun at them in his movie that he wrote himself. It, it, I think that's more acceptable than just picking names. Cause I don't know if anyone knows who this guy is to have picked up like the biggest names in horror and sci-fi. Well, again, I, yeah, I, I just think this was like his kind of labor of love type thing. And yeah. I, I, you know, I, again, I don't know what the, you know, how these things came to be, like how this movie came to be. I don't know how he got this much kind of leeway to make whatever he wanted to make. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the end result is, is pretty decent, especially for a two hour long movie, but uh, it's, yeah, it's just an interesting star alignment moment, right? I would just wonder what happened to make this movie greenlit is is bizarre to me. Right. All right. How about uh, AI win or AI fail for you? Uh, AI fail simply because there was no, uh, even with all this hacking talk, there was never any talk of this being networked um, to anything else. It was just like the one kill bot with the one kill switch. Um, so like, you know, essentially if you take out this one uh, death machine, it's that's it. It's done. So as, as a threat to greater humanity, no. Yeah. Now, if the guy survived and had, you know, the, the manufacturing line of these, then absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely agree. AI, AI fail. Um, like I said, it just seemed like a love letter, more cyberpunk than Robocop and love letter to horror. But, yeah. All right. So how many reboots out of 10 for you? Um, uh, I mean, this one, yeah, this one's, <laughs> it's tough. I would say probably a six. Six. Six six reboots out of ten. So where I'd I'd rewatch it, but I I'd have to have a beer first. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. I was thinking six as well, just because I'd need to rewatch it and pay more attention, but probably after the next rewatch, probably not gonna watch it again, quite honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably rewatch it at some point in time, but not not anytime in the near future. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. All right, and you're going to lead us into the next one as well. Yes. Uh, Screamers, uh, which is a 96 uh, movie uh, starring Peter Weller. I don't think there's anybody else <laughs> really <No. laughs> famous in this. Peter Weller is basically no. the only one. Um, but, uh, yeah, 96 based on a story by Philip K. Dick, one of my favorite writers, of course. Um, and I, I watched it when it came out, um, simply because again, I was obsessed with Philip K. Dick at the time. So anything that had his name on it, I watched, even though most of the interpretations of his work, especially made into movie form are usually horrible. Yes. Um, but I did have to watch all of them. And that's fair. And also you're Peter Weller fan. Oh yeah, well, Peter Will is awesome. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, I was introduced to him with RoboCop, but I've 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 watched just about everything else Peter <laughs> Will has been in because he's awesome. Right. Uh, um, anyway, so 
Screamers is uh, basically opens up a little little crawl um, saying that this is in the future. I believe it's 2078. 20, 20, right. Yeah. Um, so in this future, um, they discover uh, this new element. Right. And this new element mm-hmm. is like this answers all the world's energy problems. Because like right. a tiny little bit of this can power a spaceship to go all the way from Earth to Saturn. Right. Um, so it basically, you know, changes the world because all the energy needs are, are you know, changed and, and being met very easily. Yeah. Um, and what happens is, is the, they're, you know, they find this, the, the main node where they're mining all this stuff from is on this planet called Sirius 6B. Um, yep. And eventually they find out that mining, the mining process is, is causing a ridiculous amount of radiation to, to be released onto the planet. Um, so all the miners are getting sick. Uh, you know, the scientists doing the studies see that this is detrimental to everyone on the planet, right? This, yeah. And then, so the scientists and the miners get together and they immediately say, this needs to be shut down. It needs to stop. We need to find a safer way to do this, or we need to find some other way to do it because everybody's getting cancer, sick and dying, needs to stop. And so the, uh, kind of corporation that owns all this stuff was called the NEB or the New Economic Block. <laughs> It's a goofy name, but the NEB or NEBS is is what they call them. Um, Their answer is to basically nuke them all. Um, So they they just drop nukes on the planet as as their answer. So they start a war. Um, So it's basically the the miners and the scientists get together. They call themselves the Alliance. uh, And the NEBS are the corporate people and they're fighting. The war is only taking place on this planet. Um, they do both have a presence back on Earth, but it's just a Cold War on Earth where they're trying to like one up each other in the science department. Um, and essentially what happens is, is the Alliance gets the upper hand because they developed, uh, what they call screamers. That's their nickname. Uh, but they're essentially, uh, they call them autonomous swords. So they are essentially like little bitty robots that kind of swim through the ground and they have like big spinning blades on them. Um, so if anybody that's not wearing like a friend or foe responder wristband, um, if they get, you know, anywhere close to Alliance, you know, military facilities, these screamers run, you know, through the ground and then jump up and just cut you in half, you know, cut you in pieces and kill you. Yeah, they do. Right. Um, so basically because of these screamers being put in place, the alliances gets the upper hand, which, you know, they did not have up until that point because the NEBS obviously had more money and more resources and stuff. Um, so that kind of tips the uh, the scale a little bit. Uh, and then basically that, that's when the movie opens up. Um, at this point, it's been a complete stalemate for six months to where they haven't even seen a, an enemy soldier in that long. They're just kind of sitting there and waiting. Well, this is like year 10 of the war. Right. Yeah. The war has been going on for a long time. Um, but this at this point, you know, the screamers have been, you know, in place for a while. They got them the upper hand. Um, at this point, they hadn't even seen an enemy soldier in like six months. They're just kind of sitting there waiting, and that's it. Um, right. Anyway, so they're all kind of sitting around playing cards, you know, because, again, nothing's happened for six months. Uh, so where they see uh, one lone uh, enemy soldier come over this hill. Um, and they're kind of watching him, and the screamers come out. Uh, you know, they're chasing him down. Uh, they just kind of look like, uh, you know, like super fast moles <laughs> under the ground uh, when they're when they're kind of going to attack. Um, and they make their loud screaming noise, of course. Um, and so, you know, he's fighting him off, fighting him off, and he's like holding up this kind of baton looking thing. Um, but eventually the screamers kill him all. Um, so the kind of guy who's like the sergeant 
in charge there. He walks out. Um, you know, the screamers are still tearing this guy apart and, and pulling them underground and stuff. But he manages to pull the baton out of his hand before they, you know, totally cut him apart. Yeah. Um, he brings it into the commander. The commander is Peter Weller. He's the commander of, I, I, I'm assuming all of the Alliance forces on the planet because there doesn't seem to be anyone above him. Um, the only people he answers to are, are holograms back on Earth. So um, he opens this uh, this baton up and it's basically a call from the enemy Neb side uh, to, to do a peace agreement. You know, it's like basically you and another officer come to our base so that we can work out a peace agreement. Uh, because they found uh, the element that had been mined on that planet, they found it on a different planet, uh, which means that the Nebs are now going to concentrate all of their forces on, you know, getting this element from this other planet. They're kind of pulling out from this planet, is what they're told. Um, so they call their home office. The hologram from the home office basically tells them, "Yeah, you know, they're concentrating on that other planet. You know, we're we're cool with ending the war. You go out there, you talk the peace. You know, we'll end this whole thing." And they're like, "Okay, right. so you know, we'll go out there." So he decides to go out there. Um, but right before that happens, this big like ship crashes right out in front of their bunker. Um, and this bunker, it's you know the um. This plane basically says like Sirius 6B transportation, which obviously doesn't exist. Um, everybody on this ship is dead except for like one grunt guy that they have to cut out of the, of the, of this plane. Um, and he doesn't really know what's going on. All he knows is they were going to this other planet that they discovered the, uh, the, the ore on. So he was going to fight. So essentially the, they're, they're going to be another war on that other planet. Um, and that's why they're calling for peace on this one so that they can concentrate their forces on that other planet. But they don't want to tell the people on this planet that the war is going to be over because they just want them to sit there. And they kind of figure out that, you know, they're going to they're being lied to because the guy that they cut out of the plane tells them that the, the hologram he's been talking to was fired years ago. Yeah. So obviously at this point he knows they're being lied to, you know, so he, he's still going forward with the mission, but not for the reason that they tell him to now he's going forward with it because he just wants it to end. You know, he wants to tell them the truth on the other side so they can just stop this fighting and they can just start living again. Um, so he decides to take, uh, the, the kid, the grunt that they pulled out of the plane, um, him, they're, both of them are going to go to the Neb base to, to work on a piece. Um, so they leave. Uh, you know, they walk through the the kind of ruined city where he has to explain to the the grunt guy, you know, what exactly happened to them. This is where he describes the nukes coming down and, you know, the war that's been going on forever, you know, stuff like that. Um, and they meet this little kid who's been living in the ruins of of the uh, of the city. Um, and he keeps asking to, to, you know, can I come with you? Can I come with you? Um, so they camp out with them for a little bit. They try to abandon him at first, but, you know, the you know, kind of feel for him. So they decide to bring him with, um, and they camp out, um, and they decide to head out to, um, the Neb base in the morning, they head to the Neb base. Uh, once they get there, um, they're walking forward with the kid and who somebody in the base shoots and kills the kid, which, you know, at this yes. point they're like, what the hell happened? But then they look at the kid and the kid was a robot. Yep. Uh, Peter Weller looks through him and finds the like the, the control chip and it's it's a screamer. It's one of it's got the alliance mark on it. 
And he's like, well, what the hell is this? You know, I like, I we never heard of this, you know? So they, they end up going into the Neb base. There's these two kind of Neb soldiers there. Um, I don't remember that one's Becker. One's Ross. Yeah. Ross is the kind of nervous guy with glasses. Becker is like the tough guy with like tattoos on his eye. He's got like the teardrops on his eye, you know, like you Yeah, Ross is constantly chewing on his like cord from his jacket. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At first I thought it was like some kind of chewing tobacco or maybe like a vanilla bean, but no, yeah, it's just like the pole string for his zipper. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so they basically tell them that that is like the the newest version of the Screamer and that they've evolved. And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> they evolved. They're like, they're not supposed to do that, you know? Um, and he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. That's what happened. You know, like we're basically the only thing that's left of our whole unit is them two. And then they have like a kind of commanding officer uh, lady. What was her name? Jessica, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jessica was was their commanding officer. They're the only three that's left for their whole unit because um, essentially they're they're kind of hiding out in this little subsection of the base. Um, but the main section of the base was attacked by all of these kids. There was like they said there was hundreds of these kids that attacked the base and killed everyone, and they managed to get out and hide in this little subsection. But everybody else is dead. Um, so they basically like, well, well, I got to talk to Bear Weller, you know, says, I got to talk to this guy about the peace agreement. And they're like, well, if he's alive, he's in there, you know. So they kind of convince everybody to get together and to go help him, um, uh, you know, to get in there to, to meet up so they can all have this peace agreement. Um, so they go in, they kind of have to break back into the main uh, facility. Uh, they get in there and everybody's dead. You know, there's just dead bodies and blood and stuff everywhere. Um, they get to like their main communications hub um, and they're trying to like communicate out. Um, and in the process of doing that, one of the little screamers, which has like morphed, you know, they call it like a revised version. It doesn't look like the original screamers. It looks like a little, well, like a lizard, like a metal lizard with like it's, spinning it, it, blade. Like a, it looked like a chameleon. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that thing's coming in there and, uh, Peter Weller and the grunt dude are safe because they have their transmitters. Um, but you know, and they, and if they stay close enough to the other people, they ignore them as well. Um, but they get nervous obviously, because these things have killed a lot of their friends. Um, so the one dude, Ross panics and starts shooting it and he ends up shooting the, the communication satellite. So instead of being able to, you know, communicate back to their base, um, now they can't communicate at all. Right. Uh, so they essentially like escape, uh, you know, they get back to their, their other um, kind of subsection that they were in before. Um, they're trying to figure out what's going on. They basically figure out that the, the screamers have evolved over time by themselves. And right. Well, cause he, he looked at, he was able to save chips and scan them and the computer. Right. And said that the kid was model three. Right. Yeah, and they said that the original screamers, like, that's what they knew about, because that's what, you know, the the scientists, people back on Earth told them to build. They built those, and they're, again, they're autonomous. They did everything themselves. As they said, they turned the switch on and ran. Yeah, yeah, they turned the switch (laughs) on and ran. They apparently had, like, a nerve center underground somewhere that no one has ever seen, because, again, they're all by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, essentially, over time, these things have learned and evolved. Um, so yeah, the, the chameleon looking thing with the legs and all that is, is the version one revised. So that's like the right. upgraded version of the original screamer. Um, the version two is a, a version, you know, the 
Nev guys tell him it was a wounded soldier that kept asking for help. And when he went over to help it, it would, you know, spinning blade hands and kill right. you. Um, and the version three is this David, which is the little kid that asks for help. Take um, me with you. Right. Yeah. The, the take me with you thing. And that's when they say, yeah. like, you know, the, the screamers, even though they, you know, they seem to be, you know, fully kind of conscious almost, they still repeat the one line, which is like their core programming. Right. Which is that's why the kid kept saying, "Can I come with you? Can I come with you?" That was his core programming. Um, and then as they're talking about that, Ross keeps saying, "Get off my back," which he's been saying the whole time they've been together. Um, yeah. So Becker at this point goes, "You know, he's one of them." You know, because he keeps saying that over and over, and over again. And he so wouldn't he, drink the whiskey or scotch, right? Yeah. So he's like, "Yeah, he wouldn't drink the the whiskey." That you know, he keeps repeating the same line over again. He's one of them. So he like stabs him with his knife. Um, where he finds out that, you know, he's bleeding, right? There's yep. blood. So he just now killed that guy, um, you know, who turned out to be human. So at this point, they're like, oh, well, maybe we'll kill Becker. Maybe he's one too, right? Um, and he just kind of like, you know, puts his hands up, like, go ahead. But they decide not to. Yes. And at this point, they just decide, okay, well, everything's screwed. Well, our our bunker is still fine. Let's go back to our Alliance bunker and hide out. Yeah. Um, so they all make the trek back to uh, their bunker. Um, they can't get in contact with the bunker until they're within visual range of it. Um, and then when they get within visual range of it, um, Peter Weller's talking to the commander dude, who was the sergeant Doug. guy we talked to earlier, Chuck. Yeah. Or um, Chuck or Doug? It's Chuck. <laughs> okay. Um, and he's talking to him, and he's like, yeah, come on in. Come on in. And he keeps repeating that over and over again. Come on come down. On yeah, come on down. Um, and so he's like, okay, you know, can I talk to, uh, what's he say? Can I talk to Don Giovanni? Which is, again, earlier he was listening to opera. Yeah. Uh, but he was listening to Don Giovanni. So that guy knows that's the name of a song. And so instead of saying, you know, hey, that's not a person, that's a song, he goes, hold on, let me get him. And so he goes, hey, you know, Don Giovanni, this is Wolfgang. How you doing? And he's like, oh, doing great. Come on down. You know, like, again. <laughs> right. So, like, at this point, they know that this, the, the, the Alliance bunker has been taken over. Um, so yeah, as they're like trying to retreat, the door opens and all these David's little kids start pouring out hundreds. Right. (laughs) So they have, you know, their weapons and they're trying to like fight them back, but they just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Um, they did have a little like nuclear rocket. (laughs) Yes. Um, that he shoots at like this, I guess like a fuel tank or something. Um, yeah. That takes Uh, out all of them. Um, but yeah, basically at this point. Um, the grunt dude gets hurt um, and, and he gets knocked out. And he, when he wakes up, he sees that Becker is like on the ground asking for help, like, you know, clutching his chest and kind of wiggling around right. asking for help. And he goes to help him. Um, and this is where we find out that Becker was a screamer the whole time. He was a version two. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he basically kills the grunt guy by like squeezing his waist. <laughs> Yes, he makes um, him thin. Yeah, yeah, he like squeezes <laughs> his waist and and kills him there. He throws him against a oh, yeah. pipe as well. Right, well, yeah. it's just just a bizarre kill. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so then uh, Peter Weller kind of fights him. Uh, he shoots him in the face, and then he eventually he um, shoots him again, and like the shoots the shot like rips him in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He blows in half, and you know whatever his other half kind of walks around for a second, and then just falls down. 
Right. Um, so then him, it's all just him and Jessica left. And at this point they kind of force this kind of weird love story on it. Um, so where they're like, Oh, we're the only two still alive. And then they like start kissing and stuff. It's kind of, well, well, bizarre. in fairness, she does a horse bath in front of him and he calls her the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. Well, yeah, but also <laughs> I think that she was like the only woman that he's seen in a very, very long time. Probably like 10 years. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, but that was it. That was the only, like, any kind of, like, intimate moment they had up until that point. And then now right. all of a sudden they're like, oh, everybody else is dead. You know, we're in love now. Right. And he um, does. But he also, after killing Becker, he cuts her hands. Well, to be to make sure that she's healed. right. Right. And she bleeds. Right. And he was going to do it, too. And she's she like, stops him. yeah, she's like, you don't have to. I already, I already know that you're human. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So now they're like, oh, they're both human. They're both alive. Now they're in love. Right. So there's like yep. a weird, weird. That's how it goes. Yeah. A weird makeout scene anyway. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm the commander. Um, I have access to a shuttle that can get us off the planet. Well, a- assumed shuttle. He was told there's one. He didn't know if it actually existed. Right. Yeah. So they go to this kind of, I guess, hidden location. Um, you know, he puts his hand on it, opens up, they go inside. There is a little ship down there. Um, and so he sends her down to get the ship ready and he's got to get this crane out of the way. Uh, and yeah. as he's trying to get this crane out of the way, there's a wire missing. So he has to go on the crane to like physically do it. Um, the sergeant guy comes and punches him and knocks him down. And it turns out that it's like the screamer that was Becker somehow skinned the other guy and like got inside his body or something. I don't know. That's it's kind of how they like set it. Yeah. Right? That's kind of how they push. And he it. was anyway. going to take over his, rip off his skin, and right. come in because he was able to imitate their voice. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was his plan. Um, he eventually kind of gets around him. Um, you know, and eventually de- you know, defeats him. He falls down, dies whatever. into a laser. Yeah, he falls into a laser and then gets eliminated and then he goes down and meets up with her like okay you know oh the shuttle can only hold one um so he's like oh you need to go um and she's like no 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 i can't go and he's like no no really you need to go he's like no really i can't go and he's like why and she's like because i'm a machine yep and this is where we find out that she is a screamer apparently what a version four i'm guessing because yeah. she's not any of the other model ones. four because yeah. well they found the control chip that he had never seen that had a different language on it right so i'm assuming it's because it's that machine language so he didn't understand it well yeah i think that was the one he pulled out of becker yeah um <clears throat> yeah so anyway so they you know the, the, he's the they all kind of weird he's like i don't care you know we're, we're still in love but you know we can still go together like i mean that's fair but at this point it's like okay well if you're a robot you don't need air right so we can still both go yep right they should have just got in and left anyway they don't and then another one shows up right another version four shows up and then there's a fight between the two version fours um and the interesting thing is they're fighting back and forth while peter weller kind of got knocked down right yeah. Um, he ends up getting the flare gun from this ship and he can't even see their faces. I mean, obviously they look identical, right? But at this point he had left the fight and then came back. So he doesn't know which one is which. Right. And he just randomly shoots one and they don't ever acknowledge the fact that he may have shot the wrong one. <laughs> like, how would he know? They're both wearing the same outfit 
They both look exactly the same. How would he know? Yeah. Anyway, they, it, it's never brought up. Right. So anyway, yeah. So the one kills uh, the other one, um, and then he manages to kill that one. So you know, everybody's dead except for him. So he just gets in the ship and you know confirms that he's going to take off, and then he takes off for Earth. And as he's going back to Earth, we see that uh, David's little teddy, teddy bear. bear is in the ship, and the teddy bear starts moving on its own, showing yep. that it is now a screamer, and that he's potentially bringing it back to Earth. Yep. If he doesn't find it on the way back. Correct. <laughs> Movie over. Movie over. Yes. Uh, so what were your first thoughts? Um. I mean, this wasn't the first time you've seen it, but it's right. the first time in probably 25 years. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It's the first time <laughs> since '96 when it came out. Yeah. Um, it was good, and I was kind of surprised at at how well it holds up because a lot of the movies that I watched as a kid, uh, when I watch them now, I'm very disappointed. You know, like movies that I liked <laughs> a lot, and I watch them later, I'm like, wow, this is a terrible movie. I had terrible taste as a kid. You know, like. Yeah. I guess, you know, as you get older, you understand what's good and what's bad. You have a more refined palate, right? I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I always had this, you know, good image in my head of this movie and I was always scared to watch it again because I didn't want to hate it. Um, but watching it again, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as good as I remember, but it was still really good. Like I still enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought it held up decently well to the vision in my head, which is pretty good 25 yeah. years later. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, there's so little of this movie I remembered from the first time I watched it, which is the only time I'd watched it until today. Um, no, it, it's it's an interesting movie. Like it's it's sci-fi ish, but it's also horror ish, right? Mm-hmm. You know, sci-fi because the robotics, but horror is they are essentially getting picked off one by one. You don't. You're also going to this thing of you know who's human and who's not. Right, so you you get into the thing territory as well. So it's like Terminator meets the thing meets I, I don't know, like Callista Protocol or like or it, really the Expanse. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the the funny thing is is that right when when they meet up with the the other Nebs, right? Yeah, like I'm guessing all of them were screamers because if two out of the three were screamers why would they bother having a human there at all so you're saying ross was a i'm saying ross was I, i'm saying ross was too i'm saying he was another version he was like a version five or maybe he was the four and she was the five something like that right i think i think he was too and i think that was just one of the things they did to kind of make you think that becker was human is why would why would a machine kill you know what i don't know i don't know what game they were playing there but i think ross was not human either right because we already showed that uh jessica was also able to bleed right yeah yeah yes yeah. yeah. she was able to bleed we didn't find that out until you know close to the end that that right. happened so yeah i yeah. think that ross was and i think that was because ross was like kind of glitching where he kept saying get off my back over and over and over again while they were right. talking about them saying, "Oh, they can," they only repeat their programming over and over and over again. So I think, he like was everybody, killed because he doesn't give up. The game. Right? Yeah, like he wasn't functioning at a high enough level to where they thought they could get away with it. So I think that's right. why they. I don't think he died. I think they just stabbed him so that he could pretend to be dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely. 
it was definitely worth the rewatch. And I should probably watch this again at some other point as well. I think just it hold. You're right. It did hold up really, really well. And it's nice because it didn't seem like nineties future <laughs> either. No, yeah, it seemed like that. It, it was like a, a grim enough, dark enough future where it's it's probably possible. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, highlights for you. Um, highlights is is again. Uh, I just, I mean, I like how the the screamers, you know, they show like their their kind of evolution. Um, yeah, they don't ever like give it completely away. Like, I mean, obviously, like what the screamers were actually doing, what their main plan was. I mean, yeah, like, oh, we want to get to Earth to kill everybody, but obviously, there was more to it than that. Because if that was their goal, they could have easily done that. Right. Um, yeah. So it's it, there's just a, there's a lot of going on behind the scenes of like what their real intentions were that we don't know. Um, and I think that was just interesting to me. Just I mean, showing like what their priorities were, what they were doing. I think it was just super interesting. You know, again, knowing that, you know, all the, all three of those Neb people were probably screamers. Um, yeah. Like, what were they doing? Why would they bother? <laughs> like not killing them immediately. Like what was what was, the, what was the plan there? I think the plan was to get to that shuttle. Well, they could have done that. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, know what I mean. They could obviously take over a person and have their yeah. body, you know, and their their blood and and body and voice and all that stuff. So they could have gotten it themselves. Yeah, I mean that's fair. And like I said, there's only been one sequel to this, and this came out. What took eleven years for the sequel? Yeah, to come yeah out? the sequel came out in two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, um, yeah, so like thirteen years. Right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch the sequel. I was thinking about it, but again, it was. I don't know. The, the reviews are so bad. Um, and I and I watched the trailer of it, and it just did not hit any notes for me. So I'm like, nah. That's fair. That's very fair. Okay. Uh, yeah. Highlights. Yeah. It like I said, it holds up pretty well. I don't know why this was. This isn't on my list often enough. I don't know if it just it, it, in my head at that point in time it was more sci-fi, but it definitely is completely elements of horror. It is the thing it meets like even freaking Riddick meets. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, it's uh, it's been on stuff. my list to rewatch for a long time. I've just kind of feared doing so because I didn't right. want to ruin that that image that I had. Like I've done that with too many movies and I'm just kind of, you know, now I'm <laughs> wary about doing it anymore. Right. And that's fair. That's, that's fair. Uh, what about low points for you though? Uh low points, let's see. I mean, <laughs> some of the effects are goofy. Uh, like when he when he shoots the guy in half, like that that scene oh, that with was, the legs walking awful. around was, yeah, that was, was terrible. Awful. Uh, I mean, some of the effects are interesting. I mean, like, uh, you know, they got the the little, rev- like, you know, Screamer 1 revised thing walking around. It was obviously, like, st- uh, stop motion. Um, right. And that's interesting. Uh, again, it was it was very slow. I mean, it's, it was good. I, and yeah, just the effects weren't, weren't there altogether. But I think that was more of budget <laughs> than it was not not trying hard enough i think that just didn't have the budget to do anything bigger or better than that right that's fair yeah low po- yeah definitely low points of that um when i first saw on this i'm like all right these are like machines machine tremors <laughs> yeah, yeah you know um uh, which i love tremors 
don't get me wrong, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's, yeah, it, it's such a good movie, and it does, and you watch it again, does feel like the thing. I said that before, and that's what I really like about it, you know, is who's human, who's not, and everything like that. So, no, I think it played out pretty well overall, and just, it felt like it could be 2078. Yeah, yeah, low points, low points, though. Yeah, definitely the CG that was there. Um, Screaming from the kid was annoying. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah, the kid Um, wasn't a great actor, but again, he was also a machine. So I guess that isn't really. And I like they had varying heights of the kid. Like they couldn't get like, yeah, when they they had the show up of the the close up the kid getting killed, you know, David. That is always the same face. But there's varying heights, and they couldn't get enough people close enough in height to have them all be the same when they were coming out of the bunker. Well, I, yeah, I guess if you need a hundred kids, I mean, it's kind of hard to go. <laughs> I need a hundred kids that are exactly this tall. I mean, no, you just say, "Give me a hundred kids," and then that's what you get. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, do you, do you think it's an AI win or AI fail? Uh, yeah, the screamers, if they got to earth with their ability to like, you know, self replicate themselves, yes, yeah. they would be a definite danger <laughs> to, to humanity. They would, they would definitely take everything over. If they had their time to build their underground little factory, um, right. yeah, yeah, humanity would probably be wiped out or at least severely damaged. Right, it almost seemed like we the, like the generational war that happened with the machines in the Matrix. Like that was the beginnings of it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I definitely agree that. Yeah, AI AI would win hands down if it reached Earth. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if it reached Earth and then was able to have enough time to build its factory, yeah, then yes. Okay, and how about a uh, number of reboots out of ten for you? Um, for yeah, for this one, I'm gonna have to go uh, seven point five reboots out of ten. Yeah, because yeah, it's definitely worth rewatching. Not, it's not an amazing movie, um, but it's it's good. It holds up. It's you know enough for me to want to watch it again at some point. So, yeah. Fair. Um, I'm I, I'm gonna go with seven. It's definitely worth a rewatch. I just like Chopping Mall more, just because it, you didn't have to pay much more attention. And I feel like if I watch it again, that you know there might be other clues, um, you know, to determine if who's human, who's not. So yeah, just definitely worth a rewatch just to help figure that out. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, even though I watched the movie that long ago, I still remembered that she was a robot. So like, did you? Yeah, I, I still remember because I remember there being a lady robot. And since there's only one lady in the movie, it's like, OK, so this lady is obviously a robot. Right. I, I did not remember that Becker was, but I did remember that she was. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So that brings us into the last movie. Today's episode. Megan, or Megan, or Mithrigan. Mithrigan, Mithrigan. yes. yes. Uh, and as I'm thinking about, this may be the first 
movie we have watched in theaters podcast that we had to go out and watch because it's that new. Right? Uh, yeah. It well, came out a week ago. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, technically, I think Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Yeah. That's true, too. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Technically. So, technically, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, Killing Tree was a VOD. Uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn was a VOD as well. Um, so, all right. So, um, Megan essentially starts uh, off with a young girl named, named Katie and her parents, which are going through a stupid amount of snow to be driving in first and foremost. Uh, they're in Oregon and we get, you know, just back and forth. They talk about, you know, having a, you know, the, the whole big thing of screen time in today's society of raising kids of how much screen time is acceptable, you know, because, you know, you always hear people, stuff like that, you know, you can only have so many hours of TV now, you know, but not everyone isn't a latchkey kid put in front of a TV, unfortunately, and, you know, screen time, stuff like that. But we get really a commercial for like, the world's creepiest Furby, I would say, as well, right? Well, that yeah. you can interact, you can do all these things with your what the hell was it called? Uh, perpetual friend or something like that. Perpetual pet, or yeah, perpetual friend, something like that. But it's essentially giant Furby that even if you fed it too much in the game, it would have stuff to crap it out, uh, and stuff like that. So it was kind of like. She's playing with it. They're arguing, and you got a little exposition dump from her. Like, you know, her aunt gave this to her. She works at the company that makes these, so she probably got it for free. Right. So then they're arguing, and, you know, they go, you know what? This is dangerous for us to be driving the road. So why don't you just go ahead and stop in the middle of the road? And, you know, they're, the, the mom and dad are arguing, like, well, how long do you think it'll take a plow? to get to us to be able to go forward. And as soon as they finish that, the plow comes and, and hits the car. Um, and then we are introduced to the aunt Gemma, right? Yep. Um, and she's, she's working. She's in charge of the prototypes. Um, and she is, you know, essentially her, what's a boss or lead comes in. And they're working on, you know, they're excited that they got this rubbery, creepy face mask for this prototype they're working on. It looks to be like a, you know, fully automaton android, right? That's going to be a girl, and they're showing all the stuff, and they're trying to do a facial recognition, see how that goes. Boss comes in, you know, I told you we need the new prototype because there's a ripoff coming out, you know, and it's just like $50 for this thing, while ours is a lot more money. We need this prototype ASAP. And he has this creepy assistant that follows him everywhere. Um, and you know the and they're showing off the 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 Megan. They call her Megan. She's the Model Three Generation Android. So that's how we get Megan. Um, and look what she can do. And things aren't acting properly because a guy forgot to install some what inhibitor chip or something like that. Some chip. Um. And so her head kind of catches on fire. And then she gets a 
phone call from, you know, like the Oregon hospital that to go up there. And that's when she finds out that her sister and her brother-in-law were killed. And then she's going to be the primary guardian of, of Katie. Um, right. So she, you know, kind of talks to her, brings her home, um, gets, you know, to get a couple things from their house and she gets brought to her house, which is a pretty nice looking house. Um, as she starts to open the car door, there's a dog that comes through and starts barking and scares her and talking to her neighbors. Like, you know, I told you to keep your dog in your front lawn. Um, clearly a big size hole in the fence. And, you know, talking about like, okay, well, you know, fix the hole in the fence. Well, it's their front yard. The dog only had to go like five more feet to walk around the fence. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like a. It wasn't the backyard. Yeah, it, it, it was, wasn't like a containing fence. It was just like a, a yard separating fence. Right. It separated their driveways. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so it's like it doesn't matter if there's a hole in the fence or not. The dog can just get around it. Easily. Right. Because it, it's just not on the leash. Right. Um, and then she's worried about spraying her chemicals. I don't know what chemicals she was spraying, but she's like, don't get your chemicals on my driveway. Yeah, who knows, dude? That which uh, Okay, it's a driveway. It wasn't killing plants. She wasn't uh, whatever. That was a weird, weird plot point, which clearly just was to set something else up. Um, So, you know, she brews her in there. She gets into her workout room where she actually has a spare bed, you know, and she's talking about like, you know, you have a bedtime story. You know, I get rid of the story. It's like, oh, I don't have any kids books. Let me pull up my phone. Oh, wait, I have to update the app. And I'm wondering what app she was using that she's had to update. Like, she just had a book app, maybe a Kindle app. I don't know. Like Audible or something, probably. Something, something like that. Um. So then they kind of, you know, wake up, they get breakfast, and their breakfast every morning seems to just be toast. Do you notice that, too? As You mean, as you do, yeah. Yeah, just toast, just toast. And she's like, you know, I have to work on this this prototype. You know, do you want to, you know, do you have any toys? You know, she has to have any toys. She realizes that she has, like, a whole bunch of, you know, collectibles that she had because her aunt's very seemingly smart and very big into robotics and stuff like that. Um, She didn't have anything. She's like, hey, do you want my iPad? She's like, well... You know, how much time do I have? She goes, what do you mean how much time do you have? You know, how much screen time do I have? Oh, no, you can watch it for hours. I don't care. <laughs> um, right, so then they kind of just go kind of back and forth a little bit. And, um, and she's like, hey, hold on the fort. I need to work on this. My boss won't let me take any more time off. And she sees her aunt's workroom, essentially, where she's working on, on code. And then she sees um, a big robot that there. I don't remember the robot's name. Do you? Was it Bruce? Bruce is Bruce. Yeah, right. yeah, Bruce. Um, and they you know show her how it works, and they have like some pretty nifty gloves that power it on, and it's just like a robot that you control with your hand. So whatever you do with the gloves, it imitates stuff like that. So she teaches her how to use it. Um, and you can tell that there's some good bonding then going on, right? Uh, and then what, next day, uh, social worker, I would say, or therapist come in, yeah, just to see how things are going. Probably yeah, both social worker and therapist, right? I was gonna say, she's probably like a grief therapist, yeah. 
and talk about, you know, you know, what do you guys want to, you know, just interact. You know, good 30 and 40 minutes. Just show me how you guys interact. And like, okay, I'd feel on the spot too with my own kids, <laughs> let alone someone else's kid, you know, my niece. Um, cause she's what? 10, 11, nine, nine. She's nine. Okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Well, later on in the movie, when they do that interview with her, she says she's nine. Okay. You know, and they, the therapist goes, Hey, why don't you play with one of these toys? Like those aren't for playing. They take out a ball and she's just trying to show her, you know, what all the cool things it can do. It's not just a ball that you roll around back and forth. Um, and she does get her input on from her niece, what she'd want in a, you know, if I had a toy like this, this would be my forever toy. I wouldn't need any other toy, which gave her aunt just the, the, the flash of inspiration that she needs to finish Megan off. Um, so they do a whole bunch of reworking in the Megan um, and essentially introduce Katie to Megan. You know, like, you know, if you hold your hand here, you know, she becomes paired with you. So, you know, only you, you know, you become her primary person uh, and you can turn her off. This is how you turn her off. It has like the spot on the neck. You also tell her to turn her off and I, then I become her secondary. Um, and really just more interactions with uh, this. And the reason why they're doing this interaction is to show her boss, this is the new project I want us to work on. Her boss is it's like, I don't understand any anything about this, but we are going to, you know, this is going to cost more or less than a Tesla to to give to someone. Um and yeah, you know, she pretty gets a she I'd say Katie gets a really strong attachment with her that she starts coloring with her, painting with her, teaching her things, she's teaching her things. You know, the whole kind of a montage of how to use a toilet and to wash your hands after going in the bathroom and just teaching her all the stuff that, you know, parents are supposed to be teaching their kids. Um and then what they're playing oh uh she for some reason, Megan was inside. Katie was outside with a bow and arrow with a suction cup arrows, and she lost one. And um, she asks Megan, "Can you look for it?" She sees it, and it's through the hole in the fence, you know. And Megan goes under, reach, reach for it. Dog attacks her arm, and then uh, Katie tries pulling off, and the dog bites her arm as well. And you know, this whole altercation thing about a dog attacking you know, Well, she's on my side of the fence; she shouldn't be doing that. You know, and threatening to put the you know, Gemma starts threatening to put the dog down. But later that night, um, Megan goes out and imitates her the dog's owner's voice and whistle and kills the dog. Poor Dewey. Yeah. Yes. Um. So then, I think they're invited to a a retreat. Do you, do you remember what that was? Was that like a retreat for other kids that had these special issues uh, as well? No, yeah, it was because she was like, because she was homeschooled before. Right. And so she was obviously not going to homeschool her because she had to work. So she right. was looking for a school that was not the typical public school. She was looking for an That's alternative right. school. And this alternative school was like, a, you know, kids do, you know, fun outside things instead of school type stuff. Yeah, learning through experience versus in the book. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It's kind of like like an alternative school for gifted kids is is what I got out of it. Yeah. Um. And we introduced to another mom whose son was a bully, 
and who cusses at her and calls her by her first name. She just kind of waves it off. So clearly that kid's a you know, problem. Um, and he starts, you know, like, you know, they're pairing off for something. I don't remember what they're pairing off for, but nobody they're wanted to search for chestnuts. Yes. Roasted. Ch- who likes roasted chestnuts? And like all of them raise their hands. I, like, oh, yeah. I don't think it, I don't even know what it is. No, I've never had one. The only only way I know they're a thing is because they're in like Christmas songs. Like I've never seen one in real life. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so she gets paired up with the bully. And, you know, the big thing is, you know, she didn't want to go in there because there's no toys allowed. So Megan go in there, but they had a giant toy table there. And Megan kind of just watching everything. And the, the bully starts harassing Katie. Um, you know, just I don't remember exactly what was said. Well, apparently chestnuts are like little spiky, oh, yeah. spiky green balls. Yeah. So he like and he stabs her hand. Yeah, she it. went to pick one up, and so he like squeezed her hand so that it was like you know got stabbed yeah. by the chestnuts or whatever. And yeah, and then he was just being a general jerk, douchebag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, but he was starting to get like physical with her. Right, and then Megan appears, like, is this yours? He seems interested, and then uh, he starts taking her, and then there's, like, a he's taking her running away from, from Katie, and then that's when Megan kind of wakes up and rips off his ear and then kind of throws him, like, down a hill until he gets hit by a car, hard to the point of, obviously, death, right? right. Um. Yeah, that's definitely there. Um, that's just kind of. The, I think it just kind of cuts the next scene of them back at their house with her neighbor saying, "Have you seen my dog?" All right, poor Dewey. Poor Dewey. Yeah, um, and you know, no. So the neighbor was looking, going all around the neighborhood. I'd say looking for Dewey, calling him with a can of food, um, and stuff like that, and. You know, she she looked at the house before she left, and the Megan was staring there. Then she looked back, and she wasn't. And you know, the neighbors just threatening, you know, Gemma and Katie. And so eventually, I think she was she back at her own shed. Um. Yeah, it had to have been because that the thing yeah. she was using to spray the right. chemicals was in it, so it had. To but be she there. seemed like she was really far away from her house. Right. Well, yeah, she was like on their side of the fence. Right, and then all of a sudden she was in the other backyard. So I don't, uh, whatever. I don't know how that worked, but right. Um, and then essentially, you know, Megan shows up and shoots her with a nail gun, which, without precedent, is not technically possible. You can't shoot a nail out of a nail gun like that. There's safety mechanisms in place. Well, yeah, you can tape it down though. Yeah, I've been then, I've been around jackasses that have taped it down so they can shoot it <laughs> like a. Yeah. Like an idiot. Um, and then she poisoned, essentially sprays her with, like, it looked like a pressure washer, but clearly had chemicals in there, and she was using, like, plant chemicals in there. So she essentially, like, burned her with chemicals on her face, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this generic chemicals, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. They were treating it like it was sulfuric acid, but even yes. if it was sulfuric acid, it's being pushed through water in a pressure washer. 
Right. It's not going to be able to burn. It's not going to have enough time to settle and burn anything. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. It, it's a movie. Right. Like I said, this, he was going to get P- murdered. They were just trying to show like an interesting murder scene. Yeah. This is PG-13 horror. So a lot of stuff is really shown off screen. Right. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. They, she like pumps the acid and they show it spraying yeah. on her face and there's like a little bit of smoke coming off. Like it's, oh, it must be burning it. And then they just cut to like water flowing down the driveway. Right. Um, and then, you know, uh, Gemma gets really, you know, concerned because, you know, there's cops again that show up and she knocks like, you know, because she came there the first time about the dog attack and the cops didn't do anything or couldn't do anything. And then like, oh, it's probably her again. And they show her being towed away in an ambulance with dad. Um, you know, and they realize, hey, there's a connection here, right? That's so she gets that Gemma starts to get, you know, wary of Megan and her actions to the point where we're, I don't recall them saying that they had video camera for eyes, like that they're recording stuff. Um, but essentially mean? she went, well, because she went to her laptop to look up the footage oh. that came, that was being captured by Megan. Well, if, yeah, of course they'd have video camera eyes. Yeah. Um, and all the files are corrupt. They're supposed to be saved to the cloud, but they're all corrupted. So she couldn't find anything about that. Uh, so then she gets really concerned about Megan to the point where she kind of like, cause she tried to turn her off, but she wouldn't turn off. Um, until she had to like, Hey, look at this light. You see this light. And then she did the manual switch on her neck and then wrapped her in bubble wrap and packaging tape and brought her back to work saying, hey, there's something clearly wrong with her. We have to figure out what is going on. Um, And even though that they're going to be a convention, like in, they said, like four hours or something like that to, to well, do yeah. it. It's, um, the, it's the big it's the big reveal. It's like the live stream reveal of this new toy. That was the live stream reveal. Okay, so before that, then they had the investors there where they showed her Niece connecting with her and making him cry because she talked about death and all that stuff. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna do a live stream of thing, but they couldn't leak this out. Um, we find out that which didn't go anywhere really. That the her bosses, her or her leads assistant was taking files and sharing them out to his own private drive somewhere, and he was like, you know, a mole. And right. Yeah, that, yeah, I thought that was going to go somewhere too, and yeah, and it literally went nowhere. Correct, it went nowhere. Um, they go, okay, you know, this is this is not enough. We have to stop her. We have to. She's becoming violent. We don't. We can't trust her. So, um, so yeah, I think Gemma takes Katie home, and then her 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 coworkers who are helping her do all the stuff are trying to shut her down, uh, and they can't. Well, at first, well, at first, because she takes over the phone, so she, yes, she, so uh, yeah, she calls in. Gemma calls uh, Tess is her her assistant. Well, not assistant, but her coworker's name, yeah. um, and and she calls her to say like, hey, like you need to shut down Megan. We need to shut down this live stream thing. Like we need to figure out what's going on. Like I need to get Katie away from this for now, but you know we need to figure this out. But just whatever you do, just cancel the live stream. Yeah. And so, and she's like, okay, yeah, no problem. And then that cuts to her, like, still working on Megan. Right. Um, and then it shows that Megan had intercepted the call, pretended to be Tess's voice. Yeah. And then t- 
talk to her. So yeah, she never actually talked to Tess. So, so they're still going as if their live stream is going to happen. Right. And that's when they, they realize that through the looking through her code, they realize that like, Hey, look, this is all like bad, <laughs> like bad things are happening. And then they look at, uh, and then they see like in the log, it pops up. Like she intercepted a call. That was Tess's number. Yes. That her her learning is off the charts, right? And they're like, okay, like this is bad. Like something needs to happen. And as they go to like click on like to do something, like the power shuts down to the machine they're working. Yeah, and that's when they figure out that like Megan is connected to their system and is actively trying to stop it. So they, yeah, he goes over and then unplugs her from the network or whatever, and then she essentially comes alive and attacks. Yeah, she tries. She's strangling one guy, pinning the other other woman, but she's able to, you know, get a hacksaw and hack the chain that was holding them there. So they still live. But then Megan's kind of loose in the building now. She kind of ran away. Um, and what Megan causes some sort of explosion in their lab, right? Um, and then she just walks by the alarm system and it goes green. So she has more. She has like. She is Ultron level network connectivity, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, at least in these, at least in this building's network, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then um, she sees uh, her got uh, Gemma's boss. What's his name? I don't remember. Ben. Uh, oh, David. David. Yeah, and she just does a stupid TikTok dance. And then starts going after him, takes off, which I'm surprised to still have the old school paper cutters. Okay. For a <laughs> she pulled off a sword. That is not what paper cutters look like. She was, it was literally like a paper cutter that had a like a sword attached to the end of it. Because when she pulled yes. out it, it was a sword. That was not yes. a paper cutter. But it was it was the old it's supposed to be the old school paper cutter. It was supposed to be, yeah. But it like because the blade <laughs> of an old school paper cutter is just like a little like strip of blade along the bottom edge of a big plastic right piece. And this, this was, was like literally thing, yeah. a whole like bladed sword that was on the end. <laughs> I mean yeah. it looked cool, don't get me wrong, but yeah, that is not yes. what a paper cutter looks like. Right. And so she kills stabs David in the back, like I said we don't see he's trying to get the elevator. And then uh his assistant's in the elevator, he's like, You're leaking stuff to outside the company and stab. Okay. Uh, sure. Uh, yes, he was. Does that make him a bad? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't that. know why she would have any reason to kill the boss guy. No. Or or is assistant like there's no like I don't know why she would have any reason to do that. Yeah. But whatever. Um. Yeah. So yeah. She, then she steals a car and drives a, a smart car, so she's able to control it without the without the key fob, right? I guess, but I mean, at that point, if you're like super hacking a building, I'm sure you can hack a wireless signal to unlock the car. Yes. Um, So anyway, you know, they go back, she gets back to the house, you know, while um, she's telling uh, Gemma, the aunt, that she's in charge, she's the parental control that she needs to be out of the picture. You know, then Gemma tries to use the same trick to touch the button on her neck. You know, didn't work, overpowers her. Um, and then what? She's threatening to paralyze her. 
Yeah, she well, yeah, after they fight for a little while. Basically, yeah, yeah saying she's going to stab a pen in her neck so that she's going to be fully paralyzed. And right. I think she suggested that she was going to have her bite off her own tongue. Yeah. So that she would have no way to communicate or anything, but that yeah. she would still technically be alive. So she would technically be the guardian, I guess. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. It was, and light, it just, was light logic there. Yes. And then while it's, you know, happening, all of a sudden, Bruce comes to life and starts. Uh, well, no, she know, says that there's another member of the family that we, we that, never you know, told we you about. Yeah. And Bruce. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, she uses the boxing gloves or the Nintendo power gloves for Bruce. It's like robot yeah. jocks, man. Yeah. <laughs> or no, what was that movie? Real Steel. That was Real the one. Steel. That was the one where the people fought with the gloves, right? With the robots. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, Robot Jocks was the terrible movie in the eighties. Yeah. That I watched in the eighties. Uh, so you know, she essentially rips her in half. Um, but that's not enough because her arms and heads are still active, and she tries to then kill Katie. Um, they kind of knock off the face because they show with, with Bruce. I forgot to mention this. She, she's shown how they work and so here's the eyes for the thing here's the brain it's like the chip in the middle of the head um you know right yeah so then they rip off her face and then katie stabs the brain essentially with the screwdriver right because she was taught that that's how bruce is controlled um yeah and essentially police arrive outside because Tess and and Cole, the, her coworkers, called and realized that's going on there. And then as they're leaving the house, her uh, bootleg Alexa <laughs> comes, you know, essentially turns on, you know, smart hopes, and then turns to watch them, alluding to that she ultroned herself into <laughs> a stark century. <laughs> well, yeah, but not only that, but I mean, she was probably also left part of herself in that big building too. She was obviously oh, controlling it in some way. So, absolutely. So, yeah, her AI has spread. Well, that yeah, that's the thing about an AI. Like, literally, it can back itself up anywhere. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing. That's why Ultron is so dangerous. Is because right. it can literally be anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I so I had to use the Ultron just to help explain. Well, that. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that was this, yeah. Said so this is the first really close in, in hand of watching these things that first movie that we we're doing, you know, live things too, that we we're seeing close to the day of release for getting as up on the pod as much as possible in timely fashion, but give people about a week to see it as well. So it's not too spoiler. Well, I mean, we're being clear about what movies we're talking about. <laughs> yes. So if you, if you haven't seen it yet, just don't listen to it until you watch the movie. It's simple. Yeah. Uh, my first thought was, you know, they did something similar like this, the new child's play, which I know you haven't seen that we will be discussing. That 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 idea is also in there and it's different than the whole voodoo, you know, uh Lakeshore Strangler type thing. Um no, but you know, I, I had for and it wasn't until the killing happened, the very few kills, that I maybe remember this was a PG thirteen horror movie. Um because the story was great. It, it reminded me a lot like it could have been a it was very Black Mirror-ish in the idea behind it and the idea of AI and that friend in need, you know, this like, you know, Furby from I don't know how many years ago that was, 25? 
I was too old for Furby, which means you were too old for Furby. Correct. My siblings had Furbies, <laughs> though. Um, no, but I mean, I thought it was a pretty well-written movie. I think it is better than I expected it to be. How about yeah. you? No, that's that's very fair. Um, yeah, no, I was, as I was watching, I expected it to be cheesy. I mean, I, I didn't expect a whole lot going into it. But yeah, no, it was it was better than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple of things that I noticed that I thought were, were interesting. Um, and one that I'll, that I'll call out is that um, it's extremely rare for a, a female lead movie to not mm-hmm. have any love interest at all. They almost yes. always ham, you know, ham fist or shoehorn in, you know, at least the guy that like wants to date them or something, right? Some yeah. kind of like, you know, you have to show that, you know, they want to date or something. They didn't do that at all. And I, I really appreciate that because you'd very rarely ever see that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was great that she was, she was a, she was dedicated and she didn't need a man. She was dedicated to her field that, it just never came up. Right. And that, that's the thing. It wasn't like, you know, nobody made fun of her for it. I mean, I think there was only one like passing joke to like, she had some Tinder notifications. That was it. That was the yeah. only thing that, <laughs> that let you know that she wasn't just like, you know, completely outside of that realm. But it was, it, it's interesting. It's refreshing to watch just because it's so rare. I mean, it's they almost always hack in some kind of relationship, whether it's wanted or not. They almost always push something in there. And this movie didn't have that at all. And I, I appreciate it. It was, it was, that was cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you, I mean, besides that, do you have any other highlights? Uh, highlights, I would say, uh, whoever did the like actual like person movements for mm-hmm. Megan, um, did a fantastic job. Um, I mean, I, I know there was a lot of like camera tricks that they used to like, you know, speed things up, slow things down, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, still the movements that that she was using were obviously a person's movements and that the person like did a really, really good job of like being a robot. Like her, her movements were were alien enough to where they looked off putting, you know, yeah, like they looked like they were obviously like robot movements. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about the face because I know that's like CGI and stuff, but I'm talking about her actual yeah. like body movements and stuff. And it was, again, yeah, it was just off putting enough to, to put you at, you know, <laughs> you know, you're just a little bit nervous, like a little bit like what's happening, Uncanny Valley kind of feeling. And it was. Uh, do, do, do you think that's one of the closest we got to Uncanny Valley in quite some time, other than like Ex Machina? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, off putting enough to be bothering yeah yes very 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 much so yeah, but i gotta say whoever whoever did that that motion work was 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 talented yeah oh absolutely yeah they as definitely it was uh it was i think it was a young young girl who did the body work and just and it just did like the just the cg over her face for everything else but yeah i mean we come a long way from small wonder Right, right. <laughs> Which I almost called the title of this small one, <laughs> <laughs> just because of this movie. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely highlights. You know, um, just the the mythology of er- everything was really well thought out, and I think this just so. I think this is probably the first James Wan movie that we discussed. Uh, it's not the first Blumhouse, obviously, but. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he. I think James Wan is really good at fleshing out characters and be able to make this cohesive story. And this didn't really rely on jump scares. No. So, especially PG-13 horror movies is because it's the violence is generally toned down a lot. They tend to use a lot of jump scares, and this didn't really have it. It yeah. didn't need it. Yeah, it, it, the only one it really had was when the dog attacked. Yeah. Um, like at the beginning when the dog jumped at the window of the car and then when Megan was trying to get that arrow, I think those are the only two that I can think of. Right. But it wasn't, yeah, it was, it didn't rely on them. Right. Which I liked because like I said, a lot of PG 13 horror movies tend to do that. Right. And realistically, a lot of James Wan stuff does too. He likes jump scares. He likes to have stuff just flash there too, but that wasn't needed for this. Right. Uh, what about low points for you, though? Poor Dewey. Yeah, I felt bad for poor Dewey. Well, I I know, especially dog attacks is, is different for for you. I I'd have to say, the low point is why is his stupid doghouse in front of the house? Well, yeah, again, <laughs> I mean, again, like yeah, the, you have dog problems, and you have this again. They're complaining about a hole in the fence, but like the fence isn't connected to the house. Correct. Like, it's not even a containing fence. What are you worried about a hole in the fence for? Like, build a fence. <laughs> one of you. Either one, build a fence, and then you'll be fine. Right. I mean, I, I don't know where in your area, like in my town, you can't have fence in front yards. Not allowed. Um, the, town, the town north of me, you can. So a lot of people that come that come into my, they move in my town from the town next to me, they're like, oh, we're going to build this, this fence to have this containing front yard, which is cool. I would love it, but I don't know. Is there like California or, or or Seattle versus Oregon? And it it doesn't make any sense. Clearly, she has a shed in her backyard. The doghouse should be in the backyard, not in the front yard. That's open, yeah. not leashed. I mean, yeah, obviously, <laughs> yeah, obviously, she she needs to understand. Like, I mean, again, that's I, that's against the law just about everywhere. <laughs> Right, you know, to, to leave your dog the, unleashed sitting outside. I don't blame the dog. No, in this case, I don't. It's the owner. Well, and again, but technically, the dog only attacked when they came on the, his property. Right, like and because they, they attacked it, Megan when she came through the hole in the fence and only bit the kid after she stuck her arm into the fence on his side of the fence. Correct, because clearly the dog's out a lot. And it's never attacked Gemma. Right. Like it barks at her, but it doesn't do anything. I'm saying, yeah, the dog should not be biting people at all, obviously. But I'm right. saying, like, they were, yeah, they were on his side of the fence, knowing that the, 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 the weird rivalry they have with the dog going on, they should have known better not to stick their hand in the fence. Yeah. But again, also, it's every, everybody's an idiot involved here. I'm not saying that anyone's in the right or in the wrong. Everybody did the wrong thing. Well, I'd also argue that with the, chemicals that she's putting right next to where the dog is, if it's that toxic to people, it could kill you. She shouldn't be spraying around her dog either, let's face it. Well, yeah. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I want to know what she was spraying on that side of the fence that she needed that powerful of chemicals. Yeah, I don't, again, I mean, <laughs> what are you spraying, spraying chemicals with a power washer? I don't know what you could be doing. Especially yeah. with a dog right there. Like, why, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? And that's clear where the dog sleeps too. Yeah, again, because he was out there in the middle of the night. 
Yeah, again, yeah, she was she was not thinking things through. She was well, she was a shitty dog owner. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. Let's let's be honest. But yes, this this movie has to go into the list of does the dog die? Yes, unfortunately. But to be fair, you don't see the dog dying. Correct. You just see the dog being pulled through the fence and a little like yelp, and that's it. You don't see like a bloody dog. So right, and she asks about the dog. She's like, "Oh, he's three blocks over and five feet under." Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is five feet. Pretty pretty impressive digging there. Well, the robot. <laughs> right. Any other any other low points for you? Um, uh, I want to say, Allison Williams' acting was a little wooden. I thought. <laughs> Um, like when she was supposed to be like showing emotions, she just like, it really didn't come across like she was. And again, maybe that's her character. They kind of played the character as like a very logical kind of character. So maybe just that character didn't have a lot of emotional reactions to things. Um, that's also possible. I'm just saying like, I really felt like she kind of didn't put as much into it as, as she could have maybe. Holy crap. She was Rose and get out. Yeah. Uh, I It's also I would, Brian I, Williams' daughter. Yeah. If you know would, Brian Williams, the yeah, the journalist. The yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say she was pretty emotionless and get out as well. Well, yeah, but again, that was uh, that she <laughs> was purpose. supposed to be, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like I I've seen her in things where she does better, but this one I felt like she she was wooden in it. And, and again, but the character is a logical character, so I don't know if that was on purpose or not. So I, again, I mean, we're you, we and I are pretty. <laughs> we are also in technology, right? Yeah. Uh. So, AI win or AI fail? I would have to go AI win. Well, especially yeah, especially because we don't know what. I mean, it's been it, another spoiler. It's been greenlit for a sequel. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is the danger AI. That we have that just with everything being smart homes, being able to hack into all that stuff and having that everything, you know, the, the whole, um, you know, Internet of Things, right? IOT. This is why you wouldn't want IOT to be in existence because something like this that could get into your. Your system like that. Right. What well, do you yeah. think? Well, yeah, they already showed that she is in the, the main building, right? The main yeah. You know, company <laughs> skyscraper, whatever it is, and right. in her home. So, I mean, yeah, obviously these things are connected to the internet. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing about AI is AI, like a true AI that exists in digital form can literally back itself up anywhere. It's like almost right. impossible to completely eliminate because, you know, they could be anywhere that they have access to the world and they're, you know, they can, you know, crack you know, codes and passwords and stuff. And in seconds, they could literally yeah. be anywhere. Yeah. So you'd say AI win as well. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, and we're getting to our number of reboots out of 10. I, I actually can't wait to watch this again. I can't wait for it to come out on demand or digital to watch this again. Quite honestly, I think the wife is going to love it. Um, I just really want to watch it again. Uh, so, uh, because of that, as of right now, I'm other than you know some minor quirks here and there for being a PG thirteen movie, 
I'm I'm probably going to a nine on this. How about you? Um, yeah, it's uh, worth rewatching. I don't think it's I don't think it's it's that good. Um, I'll go I'll go for seven. Seven, so just as seven just as good as just as good as chopping mall. Correct. <laughs> okay. No, I, like I said, this this week has been pretty good. I'd say for 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 good stuff. Yeah, there's not any that hurt me to watch. So that's correct. A plus. <laughs> well, yes, we try to leave as many hurt hurting movies out as possible. <laughs> but us next month is going to be um, a bit rough. <laughs> Yeah, with yeah, with what we have coming out, which I'll leave anyone who's listening. I do post out, you know, stuff we will be reviewing onto our social media ahead of time too. So if you are listening to this and want to know where we're reviewing next, we also say it the week prior. But we are going in spoiler alerts ahead, and I will be posting what we'll be watching kind of a month ahead of the time as well. So if you want to watch and listen to it as well and see if you agree with us, fantastic. You know, we like to hear from anyone on that too. Um, anything else you want to discuss with this, this uh, week's episode? No, just make more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please make more evil AI movies. Exactly. Okay. Well, on that note, stay tuned for next week's episode as we dive into the trilogy basket case. So grab your basket and come join us. I'm excited. I don't know if you've ever seen these. All of them. Um, no, all of them definitely not. I've seen the first one, but I don't even know if I've seen the whole thing. I, I know, I know what it's about. I know most of the scenes and everything, but I, I don't know if I've ever watched it all the way through. But I, I don't think I've ever seen two and three. I'm almost positive I have not. Yes, it's you're in for an interesting ride with this one. Let me just go with that. You may be hurting by the end of it. Um, yeah, I'm kind of betting on that. All right. So in the meantime, this has been. Graveyard saying heavy checked on the children. Uh, Salem saying long live the new flesh. Good night. All right.